Take three, everybody. Third time's a charm, right? Third time's a charm. Yeah, this speaking, episode, speaking of three, is this episode has two threes in it. It does. Because it's episode 233. It sure does. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I'm Jason. <laughs> if you add up all those numbers, it equals eight. Okay, well, now it just sounds weird that I randomly said I'm Jason and no one followed up with their part. <laughs> it's just like, I'm Jason, and you started doing math. Either way, welcome to Round Nintendo. This is what you're in for for the next two hours. I'm Jason. I am also in this podcast. Do you have a name? I, I'm kind of in this podcast. I think you all have names. Do I have to pull Kevin? All right, let's do a quarantine style. To my virtual right is Angel. Is that right? I'm actually on your virtual left. Ah, oh, man. All right, to my virtual <laughs> left is Angel. To my virtual right has to be Kevin. Just by process. I guess he could be above or below me. Kevin, where are I'm, you? I'm, de- I'm definitely above you. Oh, okay. I saw myself <laughs> <up>. Anyway, <laughs> so this episode... Whew, that was that was a painful opening. But yeah, this episode, uh, we're calling this episode. I'm I know Kevin. I'm calling this episode uh, 233. We just you just did the oh, math right. and you did the math wrong for the or no you did the math right. Yeah, it's, it's eight two thirty three. Uh, but we're calling this episode novel concepts because it's full of just. I'm a future thinker. I, I you really are. Ahead. Uh, usually, you just don't know. So I mean, the fact that you're ahead <laughs> is better than what you normally are. So I'll give you credit for that. But yeah, this this episode, well, right uh, yeah, well, this, 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 what a start! But yeah, this episode we're calling novel concepts because it's 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 uh it's really just that, and like in a figurative sense, we're gonna be sharing impressions of a game that is kind of a novel concept that Kevin's been playing, uh, Elder Scrolls Blades, which is like what if Elder Scrolls existed before, like when its genre was still like first person dungeon crawlers. So we have that in the literal sense of no- novel concepts. Uh, we've got impressions of Liberated, a game whose entire concept is that it's set inside a graphic novel, and you actually like turn the pages to read it. And we have it in a sarcastic sense, as in, oh, finally, one novel concept that Donkey Kong Country is finally on Switch Online, which I know is something Angel's been wanting for ever. No, plus, of course, there's yeah. it. You haven't wanted it forever, or it isn't he's wa- he's wanted wow. Donkey Kong Country too. True, but the series has yeah. to start some. Okay, fair enough. But still, a novel concept that Nintendo is actually taking a major game from the Super Nintendo and putting it out instead of like some game you've never heard of that was played by five people. So progress. But uh, plus, of course, we have news. Uh, we're talking the Lego NES. We're talking Mario, Mario's anniversary branding or lack thereof. The general kind of lack of marketing cohesion around the industry in general right now. Uh, Nintendo's Bakugan surprise and 2000 revi- two revivals from the 2000s we may actually want to see instead of Bakugan. And uh, Switch June sales numbers and this whole new idea of video game game shows, which is kind of a novel concept in and of itself. So, uh, yeah, there's timestamps for all that. Everyamtown.com, which, yes, for those who are keeping score at home, is back up and running after our downtime at the start of the week. If the load times seem a little slow to you, who would be keeping they score? Are. Like, I don't know. Maybe like someone checks like, it daily. It's like, all right, day day 10 without random Nintendo. Add that. You know, we, add might that be, hash mark. we might be that important in someone's life. We don't know. No one ever tells us anything, so we really don't know. Well, but I'm going to assume. I guess the one thing I learned there's always, there's always going to be one person that would. At least. Yeah, his name's Jason. Yeah, I was about to say, if nothing else, it's me. Because <laughs> I was keeping score, because I was the one that got to deal with the downtime. But anyway, it is back up. It is loading a bit slow. It's not you, it's us. We're working out with our host to address it, but we know. But the MP3s load lickety split fast, so if you're using a podcast app, you're good. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. En- enough housekeeping. Let- let's do this thing. Let's actually talk. So okay, let's... Uh, so yeah. so novel, novel concept. I, I don't understand what 
novel means in this case? Or or what is the definition of novel like sure. not so like, as in books? So a novel because concept like whenever a, a, I, a Yeah. Because whenever I read The Verge, uh like a story on the Verge about coronavirus, they call it the novel coronavirus. Oh no no that's, what that's different. What exactly that's, does that mean? Okay, so novel by definition is a uh well actually Google's not helping me here. <laughs> So it's a novel idea, I can help you there. Never been seen. Yes, there you go. It's something new and original. So the novel coronavirus oh, okay. means it's not a different version of the coronavirus, or it's not like an existing 1 through 18. It's the new coronavirus, the newest form of it. And a novel concept is something that kind of sticks out one way or another. So people use it literally in the case – well, not literally, but I'm using it literally for liberated. But also like figuratively, like that's a novel concept. That's something different. And sarcastically when it's something that should have happened, it should have been a thing done, but isn't, like Switch Online. So that's kind of where this came from. Okay. Um, yeah, there you go. Little English lesson I'll for everyone. It. Thank you. Uh, I was about to say overruled, but that doesn't make sense, and I'm not a judge. Uh, anyway, let's just start with <laughs> before this goes even more off the rails. Let's um, let's just talk about what we're playing. It's what we always start the quarantined episodes with, and we've been in that for a few months. I feel like I always start first. So, Kevin, why don't you actually kick the, kick things off for once with uh, Elder Scrolls? Oh, or sorry, I was Elder Scrolls Blades. Elder Scrolls Blades. Uh, yes. Yeah, hold on. So, Elder Scrolls Blades, for those who don't know, it's a free-to-play entry in the Elder Scrolls series. Canonically, I, I looked this up, uh, it takes place between game number four, Oblivion, and Skyrim. And uh, Confession Time, I have never actually played an Elder Scrolls game, and I'm so, sure that Skyrim would Skyrim? be right up my alley. Yeah, so, I what attracted you to Blades? Huh. Before we get into what you think of it, what, what made you go, this is for me, if you've never been part of that world? Oh, I will get to it because surprisingly, and like Skyrim would be right up my alley, but surprisingly, this game, this game is a gummy game. It's a hundred percent a gummy game. Is it uh, a new genre that I've created, which is like the <laughs> mindless repetitive game that you can play with like a TV show, a video, uh, a, a Twitch broadcast or a podcast in the background. Mm. Uh, so, so something a la like Final Fantasy fourteen, Destiny two. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for the first couple of hours, I was having a... I was actually having, like, a good time with it until something started rearing its head, which I'm sure some of you guys can guess what that is, uh, based on how I described this game right at the top. Can I, can uh, but I, can I take a guess? Go for it. Free to play. Yeah. yeah. So, so, <laughs> we'll, so we'll get to that. Uh, so, you play an adventurer who returns to their village, and you find it destroyed. So, you've got to go on quests to find and save villagers to find out who and why this uh, village was attacked. So there is there is an underlying story uh, in this game. Unlike the mainline games, though, there is no open world. The village that you're at does act as a hub world where you accept quests. The quests, though, they're on a list that, that you pick and choose, and when you initiate a quest, you are essentially like whisked away to a linear dungeon that's full of enemies, and you just literally have to make it to the end. It's literally, you just get from point A to point B. That's it. Um, the combat is interesting in which you, can, you can't you can control the camera, like when you aggro an enemy. As soon as you aggro an enemy, you, you sort of go go in this like 1v1 camera mode. Mm-hmm. Although you could have up to up to uh, about like three enemies at three? a time. Oh. Yeah. Um, you're locked in and all you can do is basically swing your weapon use magic, use your abilities, and block with your shield. The way that you actually swing your weapon, it's not like you just press a button. You hold down and you release uh, ZR or ZL, and then you can use your magic or abilities by using the face buttons on your controller. 
and then you block with your shield by just pushing up uh, on the left stick. And honestly, that's all you're doing for the entire game. You choose a quest from a list, you're transported to a linear dungeon, you fight monsters until you get to the end, and like along the way you'll find chests which have better armor or weapons, they'll have gold, they'll have crafting materials, and that's it. Rinse and repeat. There's even this never-ending randomly generated dungeon that you can use to grind for gear, items, XP, and there are daily and weekly quests that you can partake in. There's just a bunch of mindless fun to be had with this game. Like, this game was made for me. If you guys know the, the types of games that I play, this is all, all I need. Just something to play and just something to have in the background. But where the game started stumbling was when, as Jason accurately guessed, uh, was when the free-to-play stuff started to become integral to the game. So among the the like gold and materials that you gather, you're also going to gather gems. And they're a currency that will accrue by completing quests and opening chests, and eventually you'll actually need them to progress further into the story. Mm -hmm. So an example is when you need to build like a smithing workshop, right? You'll use gold and craft materials to craft it, but then you'll actually, for you to actually use it, you'll need to wait anywhere from like 20 minutes to two hours for you to use it because it's on a timer. Right. right. Well, that almost makes sense as being on a timer. Like that's what a few pre plays are. It's kind of like, oh, you're building something. It takes time to build. I guess some do that, but like still not, still not ideal, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, or you can just use the gems to speed up the process. And honestly, that's with most things in this game. If you want the blacksmith to upgrade your weapon, you'll have to wait anywhere, like I said, from 20 minutes to two hours for it to be upgraded unless you use the gems. And mm. you're going to want to have multiple blacksmiths. Because blacksmiths can only smith or craft one thing at a time. But then that means that you're going to have to wait for your second or third blacksmith uh, workshop to to open up. And then you're going to have to wait on top of that however long it's going to take for a new weapon to be crafted or your weapon to be upgraded. And that's the stuff that led me to play this game even less. Because Mm. I would say to myself, okay, let me wait for this building to finish in an hour. And then I totally forget about it until like six hours later where I'd be like, oh, it was done about five hours ago. Because I didn't want to use my gems because they are like a premium currency in this game. And while you do get enough to get by, it's not enough for you. It's not like an abundance of gems that you get. Mm -hmm. And I guess the devs like know this because after the first couple of boots on the Switch, I started to get alerts as soon as I would start the game of like, hey, we have a deal in the store for some gems or like some some super awesome chests. Don't you want to come in and check it out? And I get that's what you have to deal with when it comes to free-to-play games. But Mm -hmm. then it just reminds me of why I don't really play them. So if you're okay with that, this might be more your game than my game. Honestly, the... The free-to-play stuff left a bad taste in my mouth. I think what is most, like, weird to me about from what you're describing is... So, free-to-play is one thing. Like, we've talked about a bunch of free-to-plays in the last few months, I feel like. But you boot up the game and it starts bombarding you with what would be the mobile version notifications, except there is no notification system on Switch. So, it's just you load the game. It's like, sale, 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 bye, bye, bye. Like, that seems aggressive to me. Yeah, like, I feel like it's, Asphalt it's an in-game. and Pokemon don't quite do that as much. Yeah, it's an in-game notification. It's not It's not notifications on the, on the Switch. 
Yeah, because it, it can't do it on the Switch. Right. But it's just kind of annoying that when you start to get like, because at least when it's on your phone, like it's a little more like it's annoying to have them come in, but it's a little more passive in the sense of you're not actively trying to play, and they're like roadblocks. They're not adding friction, but this sounds like it's actually adding friction. So like some free to play stuff, I'm more loose about. Like I feel like you not being into you know how much you have to either wait or grind or buy or whatever like i don't mind that as much though granted i'm playing stuff that's more like racing games and puzzle games but that like if i boot up the game and it was like a minute of just like did you buy this do you need to buy that you should buy this maybe you should buy that i feel like that would drive me crazy and to be fair i don't know how the, the notification system works on mobile on android or ios so for all i know you might be bombarded in game but mm-hmm. yeah it it wasn't pleasing to to keep getting reminded and, it, and every now and then like in game i would get notifications of like hey there's a there's this new armor piece and i'd i'd look at it in game it's like oh no it's actually just directing me to the shop which was yeah. kind of scummy honestly but i get it I, so it's, so it's a free-to-play game they, they have to make money somehow you know which is weird like i mean is, still, is the like, ui does it look like a normal game or does it look like your typical like free-to-play ui that kind of looks like a bunch of ads and i guess a shop and, and a bunch of bubble buttons no yeah. not at all it, it it looks like a very very simplified i guess rpg menu uh that, mm-hmm. one thing that did, that did bother me was like to delete an item from your from your inventory it takes like five button presses because like you have to select the item or first you have to go into the menu then you have to select the item. Then you have to inspect the item. Then you have to click delete. And then you get a notification of like, are you sure that you want to delete this? And you have to say yes to that. So, I mean, inspect overall, the, the item. <laughs> pres- yeah. So presentation wise, this game is fine across the board. Controls are fine. Uh, graphics are fine. Music is fine. It's a fine game. But it's the free to play stuff that definitely drags it down. Just overburdened. Yeah. Overbearing, it sounds like. Pretty much. That's too bad because I think the concept I, – I remember trying at E3, I guess it was before they delayed it. It's like a year ago, and it was um, – yeah, I thought like the idea of kind of taking the Elder Scrolls skin and slapping it on top of like sort of a modernization of like an Etrian Odyssey type game was kind of neat. But if the free plays that aggressive, ugh. and And some people might not find it as aggressive. Honestly, it's not that aggressive. It just – it's just a, feels a, a – it feels aggressive to me. Right. Right. As someone who doesn't play a lot of free play games, right? Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, maybe maybe I should like go see if it's any worse than the ones I play. Sure, because yeah. there are some I play, but yeah, like it, like if if it wasn't for for the for the timer aspect of it or the bombardments of go go to our store, I would absolutely continue playing this game. Apparently, there's a PvP aspect to it that I didn't lock, but I just I didn't want to bother, honestly. Did you did you try the motion controls at all? I remember them kind of billing that as what separates it from the other versions. No. Is you can pop the Joy Cons off and swing around like a fool. Oh no, 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 absolutely not. I I did play this on. Uh, <laughs> I did play it in handheld mode, so obviously playing it with Joy Cons would be a little, a little weird there. I have that's what the, the kickstand is for. I don't have my kickstand. my kickstand. My kickstand. It, Wait, where's your Switch's kickstand? I have no idea. It, it was a oh. it was a wild night. And the kickstand was just gone the next day. Oh. So it's like a hangover movie, but less funny. Yeah. Huh. And then I just used the Pro Controller for, for playing it on uh, TV mode. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I really got to say about the game. It Fine game that's, like I said, overburdened by the free-to-play stuff. 
That's too bad. Especially because, like, Bethesda, like, I feel like if this did well, if and if Fallout Shelter, I guess that did well when it came out on Switch, and, you know, Skyrim, this, they, there's opportunity here for them to do more with their properties, but hopefully this just hit whatever metrics they need so they don't, like, do that whole, oh, we were doing a test on the Switch, and the test failed, so bye, like so many companies used to do. Right, I and then, I mean, Bethesda still has a bunch of, uh, has Doom Eternal come out yet? Uh, no, but they say the date is coming, quote, very soon. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, they're still going to, they're still supporting the Switch, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. That is cool, but it does yeah. feel like that game came uh, out ages ago. It came out in, like, May. Doom Eternal, I yeah. I, I still have Oh, Doom, I thought you meant, that came out in March, oh, yeah. Oh, jeez, so those years, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in quarantine, in quarantine days, that's centuries, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Speaking yeah, of quarantine, listen to right. Quarantine Chronicles here on the Red Nintendo uh, podcast feed. Beautifully done on the off weeks of our show. Beautifully done. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if that's Elder Scrolls, I guess I could talk about the uh, literal novel concept of this episode, Liberated. Let's do which, it. Which um, – what? <laughs> you said let's do it. Uh, but yeah, this um, – so first off, I should say that Walkabout Games, who made the game, uh, was kind enough to provide us with a review copy of it. Uh, but – you know, disclosure, disclaimer aside, uh, more than any other game, this is a lot. literally an interactive <laughs> graphic. I'm just what? kidding. <laughs> I just said that explains. What you, I just, I just said that, that explains a lot. Wow, it does. Uh, I don't know what, but a lot of something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, more than anything else, um, I do want the thing I want to focus on is this game is literally an interactive graphic novel. It's divided into four comic book issues. The camera literally pans from page to page, frame by frame. Each of which either presents a cinematic or some sort of interactive quick time event, or like actual gameplay that takes place inside that specific comic frame of um, the page, and it's honestly like one of the slickest presentations of games I've seen in a while. Like you may recall a few episodes back, we were talking about how games keep relying on the same art styles, and I pointed out that Liberated is one that doesn't. And in practice, having not played it, it is really cool what they did because it's not just a comic or graphic novel; it's it's like uh, specifically they did this kind of dystopian film noir look. So everything's black and white. It's all hand drawn. It has like this heavy use of shadows and light, which makes for a really cool set because you kind of bob in and out of the light or need to hide from guards and their flashlight beams. And the only color that ever actually shows up is when you're about to die and the edges of the screen turn red. But besides that, it's this kind of different shades of gray and it, it, it has a look. It has a really cool look. But before I even get into the like gameplay side of it, I keep talking about how this is a comic book. So I feel like I've got to address the story since that's, you, you know, what comics are mostly about uh and liberated is sort of like a mashup of uh dystopian cyberpunkish us against the corrupt government plots uh you know the things you see in like movies and shows like v for vendetta or mr robot um and and since mr robot is one of my favorite shows this is like 100 percent right up my alley and uh basically the game starts starts you in a near future i think it's like 2024 or so where the government has implemented a social credit system not unlike the one from that one black mirror episode uh, the difference here is that they marry it with a minority report sort of uh, crime prediction system. And the character you play as initially, a guy named Barry, is someone who, A, is flagged by the government, and B, whose father invented the whole system. And pretty quickly, Barry gets recruited by this anti-government group who likes to hack things and broadcast videos wearing masks, you know, F Society and Mr. Robot, or an Anonymous in real life, or just, like, the entirety of E for Vendetta. And uh, you're sent on missions to go stop the government in various ways. The first of which is actually very reminiscent of early Mr. Robot, as you need to go infiltrate a remote server complex and blow it up. So, for those of us that like haven't seen Mr. Robot, Robot, can you go over the entire plot? Um, no, just go watch it. It's a really good show, Kevin. Do not you agree? It's worth watching from start to finish. I can agree. 
I'd love that show. Yeah, there we go. It's a great show. And this pulls some inspiration from it, whether intentional or not. But uh, so the what I'm getting at really is like Liberty doesn't have the most original story per se. It's full of these kind of like unabashed, unapologetic tropes of the genre. But I do love the genre as a whole. And there's been a Mr. Robot size hole in my life that this does help to fill a little. So that's nice. Um, and, it, and like I said, it does so through what amounts to three presentations, as I kind of said at the top of this. So you've got the cinematics which play out through the various frames with lightly animated scenes and speech bubbles. You've got quick time events in the middle of some of those, which to be blunt, feel a little shoehorned in just to try and justify an added gameplay element. Like one of the very first ones you do, you have to dodge police cruisers in a car and you just hit A, X, and B and it just kind of does it. Like why you, why those buttons? What do they signify? Why not steer? I don't know. They don't really correspond to anything, but they, I guess, keep you engaged. Uh, and then sometimes the game does give you choices to make with one or two button presses. And while it's kind of neat to see that some of the choices lead you to literally turn the page without finishing the panels of the one you're on or to jump ahead in some other way, from what I can tell, they're not changing the course of the narrative. It's not like a telltale level type of branching path story here. It's just, um, you know, ways to sort of feel like you have some choice, but it's still a linear story. And um, also kind of unlike a telltale game. Which is, you know, this is a fairly story-driven game like those, but there's much more standard gameplay in it. Like, once you get through all the cinematics and stuff, you're basically, the third, like, presentation form is that you actually hop into individual frames in a 2D side-scrolling, like, stealth shooter that has some light puzzle solving. Broadly speaking, you're running around, you're dodging people or police drones and hiding. You're sometimes needing to find switches to get past obstacles and complete one-off puzzles, uh, puzzles, like decrypting a code by figuring out the placement of four digits in a way that is quite literally the game hit and blow from clubhouse games where you uh are told like some are in the right spot and some are the right number but you don't know which is which you have to figure out like how like the correct combination like i had no idea clubhouse games of all things would train me to overthrow governments but here we are it's literally one to one but um what's kind of interesting with the gameplay is that the developers actually give you two ways to play like if you want uh, to experience liberate as more of a game that's up to you to aim your pistol with uh, very little on-screen interface it's up to you to be as stealthy as possible dodge behind objects with tap of x as much as you can and then kind of wait for guards to pass you to choke them out from behind or you know try and just be sneaky in general um the number of guards and obstacles is much higher or if you want to experience the game uh, more as a, as a comic book, like as a story, if you want to experience the story, there's a reader option in which the enemy count is lower, you take more damage before dying, and most notably, your gun Wait, you has take an aim more assist damage? UI. Uh, yeah, you can take more damage before you die. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. And most notably, your gun, like I was starting to say, has an aim assist uh, UI element in the form of a kind of long line showing the bullet's rough path. And it can make a huge difference. Like, Aiming can be pretty tricky without it. They mapped it to the right control stick, so you're kind of swinging around like it's on a wheel. And your health when you play the player mode really is notably less, and you do die a lot quicker. There's not really a consequence if you die. You just restart the scene. But nonetheless, it is notably harder. And I found that in player mode, um, it requires you, because it's more of a game, quote-unquote, you actually do need to be much more stealthy than in reader mode. So in play, it's almost like an entirely different gameplay because reader mode was almost like an action movie. Like, I kind of felt like Jason Bourne was like running and gunning and walking, and um, I just kind of make my way through scenarios and mow folks down as needed. And it's fun, but it is um, definitely more just to get to the story points if you do reader mode, while player mode absolutely has more of a challenge to it. And so basically, my playthrough of The Last of Us Two versus Kevin's playthrough. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, it's that without the without the dynamic like sliders to do it. It's just one of two. It's like a it's like an on off switch kind of, 
And initially, like, reader mode kind of makes sense because the story is the driving force. Like, the ratio of cutscenes to gameplay in the first, I don't know, like, 35, 45 minutes very heavily is on the cinematic side. But as you do go through the gaming layer chapters, or issues, I guess they call them, uh, it starts to flip. And you do start to get to play as other characters, and you have always, and the gameplay becomes more in focus. And um, that's where you can, I believe you can change the difficulty on the fly. So if you do decide, okay, maybe this is becoming too much play and I want more story, you can just sort of scale it back and make it easier. Um, in all, there are four issues in total right now, so four chapters, but Walkabout uh, has two more coming down the pipe. Free DLC for the Switch version sometime after the PC version launches, which I think is the end of this month, which uh, actually I kind of want to focus on that for a sec because that DLC will also come with improvements uh, from the PC version that's launching. Uh, one thing I didn't mind too much in the current one is there's no voice acting on the Switch version. This is a graphic novel after all, so it kind of makes sense that you're reading bubbles. But the PC version will get full voiceovers. Eventually, it's coming to Switch, and something like that could dramatically change up how the game's presentation feels depending on the quality. You know, like if the voice acting's good, that's an improvement. If it's bad, it can actually be detrimental. My gut feeling is it'll probably be good because the sound design in Liberated is really good. Like, first off, they nailed the whole, like, synthy cinematic soundtrack of basically everything in this genre. But during the, uh, and, like, especially during the more action-y sequences, it really, like, it feels like you're in an action scene. But beyond that, like, the actual use of sound effects and ambient noise to create kind of an atmosphere I thought was really cool. Um, and it's noteworthy because, like, the game's art style is so simple, like that new art. Um, like, they can show a rainstorm and they can show swinging lights, but, like, having the sound that goes with it, it actually makes it feel more alive. Like, it, it makes up for the visuals being so simple. It's actually really cool how they do it. Like, I, I was pretty impressed. But, but yeah, I do hope I do hope the update is more good than bad. I do think they can do some nips and tucks when they bring it. The game's frame rate, for example, could probably use a little cleanup because it does get noticeably slow at times in at least handheld mode, how I played it. Uh, likewise, the game does this kind of odd thing where you reach the end of the page of a comic and while it loads the next one and all the frames for all the segments, you know, the gameplay, the Simax, all that, it just kind of, like, sits there. Like, it almost seems for, like, a good number of seconds, like, maybe the game froze. Like, it never actually froze, but there's no indicator, like, oh, yeah, the page will turn, hang on. It just kind of sits there. Uh, but overall, if, you know, if that stuff isn't detrimental, that stuff is not, to me, detrimental enough to really ruin the experience. I still have a good time with Liberated. I think the approach and the presentation, like an actual graphic novel you play, is really cool and the good outweighs some of the cliched story concerns some people may have. Um, like to me at least, as a dystopian junkie that loves when governments ruin everything, in fiction, not in real life, but in fiction when they ruin everything, uh, it absolutely like stands out as a pretty cool, unique, different Switch experience. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, but yeah, that that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of liberated in a long nutshell. Which um, I guess brings us to the sarcastic novel concept, which is, of course, Angel, Nintendo listened to you. They finally brought the series of Donkey Kong Country to Switch Online. Maybe not the one you want, but... Again, they did not listen to me. One of the three. I just wanted the one. They heard, like, three out of four words. Donkey Kong Country 2. And they heard 75% of it. And And what they heard was, he wants Donkey Kong Country as well? We got you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And they're like, fine, we'll throw it in with these are the other games. Give you an idea of how bad this scale is. They uh, also released Natsume Championship Wrestling for Super Nintendo and uh, The Immortal, which is an NES RPG by EA that I've never even heard of. Uh, But yeah, Angel, Donkey Kong. I've actually heard of that Immortal game. I was kind of surprised I actually made it over. Yeah. What is it? 
Maybe we'd start there. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell you much. I just, I just said I heard of it. <laughs> Not that I'm an expert oh, fair on enough. it. <laughs> fair enough. I know it involves magic. It's a kind of isometric view. It was but, just, um, um, yeah, back when I would watch um, Angry Video Game Nerd, he did a video on it. So that's kind of where I heard from it. Interesting. But yeah, it's yeah. um it's it's definitely not the banner game. The banner game Donkey Kong Country. Um I assume you've already played it like a dozen times through, even though it's not yeah, the one so, you wanted, just because it know, has most of it. It's <laughs> no DKC two, but you know, we we take what we can get. It's like but the it's only yeah, it's it's the it's the only decent game on the Nintendo online service right now. Um well shots fired. Oh. I don't know about that one. The only game I find worth booting up the service for. There we go. I personally. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of personal preferences. But even this one, like, I mean, I, I love this game. Um, like, I mean, just booting it up for the first time or just playing through the first few levels, like, I just couldn't really contain my happiness, like, as I was playing it. It's, like, definitely one of those, like, just, like, brings tears to your eyes, like, as, like, you're just listening and interacting with it. I mean, this... And a lot of that is mainly because this was, like, the first game that I ever played that I owned. Like, I got my Super Nintendo in the Donkey Kong Country bundle with the Super Nintendo. It was came, like, in a special, like, DK-style box that was nice and long and had, like, palm trees all over it. And, yeah, so, I mean, I was five, so this was, like, definitely right at that sweet spot. And it was, like, the game we played a ton. And... I mean, it's still, I would say it still holds up. It's still, it can still be challenging, but like it definitely, as I'm playing it, it definitely reminds me why it's not my favorite Donkey Kong Country. Like a lot of the stuff, it's, it's just too straightforward. Like you don't, they do have like quote unquote secrets and stuff to find, but those things only really give you extra lives. There's like no real incentive to get them because lives are kind of plentiful and it, it kind of, at least to me, it detracts from discovering these secrets that usually you kind of have to go out of your way or kind of challenging to get to because sometimes you have to risk a death or actually most of them involve like risking a death or going to like a pit. Most of them are like you kind of have to know it's there. But when you find out that it's just extra lives, it's kind of like, oh, that was kind of a waste of time. <laughs> and that ends up kind of like detracting a little from it, but... You know, it's still a very nice nostalgic trip. The music is still, like, super amazing. Um, only other thing that did feel kind of not right was just playing it with the Pro Controller, or I guess with any of the Switch controllers. Like, using the analog stick works, but because, you know, it's a 2D platformer, I feel like those are definitely way better with the D-pad. And even using the D-pad on the Pro Controller, just because it's positioned a lot lower, like, doesn't feel as intuitive as you would want it to. Like, it works. You could get through I mean, that's how I played through Celeste. But I would definitely have preferred to have it positioned a little higher. I mean, like, if only Nintendo created some sort of, like, Super Nintendo-shaped module to play this with, that'd be pretty cool. But, I mean... Did you consider the left Joy-Con face buttons? (laughs) No. And, yeah, and I wouldn't buy... And, like, I'm pretty sure that the opportunity has passed, but... I also no, wouldn't get available. a... Oh, they are? Well, mm-hmm. regardless, I still wouldn't get Super Nintendo controllers just for this, though. So. I mean, I'm sure after, like, playing it a lot more, I'll just get used to it. I mean, that's just fine, but, you know, instantly, like, you know, it, it's not the same as playing with an original controller. But... You didn't have an 8-bit yeah. controller? 
Um, I Those are supposed to be really nice. Hmm, that might be uh, enough alternative because then I could use it for other things too, right? Or right. I just use yeah, it on the they're just Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's they're so well made that Microsoft is teaming up with them for an official Xbox controller for mm-hmm. uh, Project X Cloud, oh, which is now officially Game Pass Ultimate. Well, interesting. I guess regardless of the facts, I mean, at least the Super Nintendo. I mean, I at this point, I just hope they release games more often because like every time I like Donkey Kong Country is like a reason for me to boot that system up. But then, mm-hmm. and then after playing that, like sometimes I'll check out some of the other stuff, some of the stuff I never played before, or never like even really heard of. Championship Wrestling. Yeah, exactly. Or, <laughs> or like you know, or I was playing like Wild Gun the other day, or even the Breath of Fire, just because I heard the mm-hmm. name before. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I like that there are things in there for me to dabble with that I've never tried, but they just have to do it more often. Like I know they, it just sucks. It sucks, and it makes me really bitter is knowing that even though they're starting over with their trickle feed the fact that in the past it was like maybe two a month i don't remember like what the frequency was like they kept decreasing the frequency weekly during the week- wii days with the virtual console they weekly put out new virtual console games yep for years and then was wii it was like but was it like one Super Nintendo, one N64, one NES, or was it they just like... They used to do one... Uh, they tried to do one from every system, if I remember correctly. Mm. Well, regardless, yeah, I, definitely, I remember... But like that's because they were for sales, so it was a little different. Yeah, and I mean, we're still paying for this, so... Yeah, but they're making know. less money total, because, you know, they could try... Like, in a single week, you could spend $20 if you got Mario Kart 64 and something down Super Nintendo and something down AES, and the next week you could spend another 20 Which kind of brings me to, like, two issues I have with that. It's like, just give me the option to buy these then. Like, yeah, I'd, I don't see why they can't do a trickle feed and just have people, you know, people, like, that are okay with, you know, just having a couple Super Nintendo games every couple months or however frequent it comes out because you know like they don't really care about any certain game in particular it's just another app for them like let that be that's fine but for people like me that you know are pretty much waiting for certain titles because they know they want to play certain titles on the switch and not have to dig out the wii u the 3ds the wii to play these i just let us buy them i mean i wouldn't mind paying 10 to 15 bucks or whatever just to have the game especially because i want to be able to have a download version of it it kind of sucks that I have to be connected to the internet in order to play it. So what's so bizarre yeah. about that is Nintendo literally has that mindset with third parties. Think of all the old games that are being re-released yeah, exactly. at full like, price on point, Switch. I mean, I mean everything the, from the Episode Switch One Racer much, to yeah, like yeah, like the Switch pretty much feels like a virtual console in some aspects. I collected so many Neo Geo games, like all the Metal Slugs, and then those other. Um, like 1942, 1940, 19, 19, whatever year 43. that is. 43, um, I think. Whichever, the two plain ones. Like, there were so many yeah. great games that I could just straight up buy, play whenever. There were nice emulations. Like, it was perfect. Like, just do that. But they insist on always going, like, they just, like, want to go out of their way to make getting their games as inconvenient as possible or as painful as possible. And what's so weird about that to me is not only do they do that, but they also limit to just the same first three systems. So there was a, a tweet I saw a few weeks ago that it's really like, stuck with me. Why the heck? If Duncan... Oh, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say, there was a tweet I saw a few weeks ago that really stuck with me that um, someone took a, 
screenshot of Super Mario Brothers and said, what you think of when you think 20 years ago. And then next to it, they had a screenshot of Mario Sunshine with what was actually 20 years ago. And I was like, wait a minute. That's one, that's crazy. We're old now. But two, um, two, like Nintendo's been milking the same cow of NES, Super Nintendo, N64 since the Wii, and they have not expanded it to include GameCube, they have not expanded it to include Wii. In the meantime, they have like all these other third parties doing that with their games. I mean, there's a rumor right now there's going to be a Tomb Raider collection for Switch of all the recent Tomb Raiders. Not even the PlayStation 1 ones. They're already re-releasing the ones from the reboot as a compilation. And Nintendo's still like, well, we don't know anything past, uh, you know, Super Nintendo. 1996's console. So it's just so weird that they're – I understand that they might do you know the Mario remasters and stuff, but that's such a rare thing. And they do you know the deluxe editions of Wii U games, but there's like a slice of Nintendo history, GameCube and Wii, that's just MIA, and it's incredibly weird. I know. It was so frustrating to hear that like, oh, there is a new play controlled version of Chibi-Robo. Like it exists, and then we wait, we wait, and it just never comes out. It's like that was like the only other chance I, I think could it came out in Japan to... though. No, it fair. did, but it's not in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm kind of hoping Nintendo's starting to come to their senses a little, because this is a very easy way for them for them to make money like, during a time like, where, where everything's upended games? and turbulent. It's exactly. Like, I, love, I love playing Mario Party 2 and Smash 64 on the Wii U. It was so convenient. And especially now with the Switch, it's like we have people... Well, maybe not right now, but we had people over more often. We had big sessions, especially if we could play online. I mean... I mean... I, don't even put the online. Just let us buy these damn games. But Yeah, like literally like, you know, we're always talking about, oh, we wish there was a new F-Zero. GX was the best. Like, just release GX. It will do fine right now. Like, it just I know, so like, don't even market me. it. Just just port it over. Really? You will you will, you will will make a profit off of it. You don't have, And if you still want to not make a new F-Zero game, then discontinue not making and it. And it's so crazy to me because, like, we are standing right now. Paper Mario just came out last week, this weekend, right? We have zero scheduled first-party games from Nintendo going forward. They, I, as far you know, if you look at the schedule, they have a bunch of stuff that's TBA and maybe 2020 and 2021. But if you look at the actual release calendar, it is blank. They could totally backfill it with this stuff. It's so bizarre. The one thing that I think is giving me a little bit of hope is they're marketing the Switch Online games a little bigger than usual. Like Donkey Kong, like not only were they like, oh, it's on Switch Online now, they made a whole, they brought back the classified information brand do you remember that from nintendo power um there's another like 90 staple but mutt mutt not really a staple but seriously it, it was like in nintendo power for the longest time they had this long-standing column offering sort all sorts of like hacks and tricks and cheats for various games and you know nintendo brought back nintendo power array as a podcast and in that came columns like players pulse and game watch but seeing them bring back classified information as a video series to directly promote games on Switch Online through another way, another angle, versus just saying there's some new games, go play them, gives me the slightest bit of hope that maybe they're starting to wake up to the fact that they are sitting on a treasure trove here and might start acting on it a bit more. I don't think it's necessarily good. You know, marketing's not the same as the people that are greenlining the, the ports, but like someone at Nintendo is aware that they are sitting on a treasure trove and they're starting to act on that. And I'm hoping that that sort of mindset just continues to flow upward through the hierarchy of Nintendo. Uh, especially because, like... Yeah, and especially because, like, there's so much Nintendo history that people don't know. Like, there's a younger generation that literally doesn't know this stuff. Like, going back to that classified information video for a sec, there are so many comments on the YouTube uh, video of it where kids were like, 
like, LOL, Nintendo's showing us game hacks now, or whoa, I can't believe Nintendo's, like, telling us this, or, like, you know, and to the, it's, like, crazy of them that Nintendo would, like, show you how to break their games, but it's what Nintendo used to always do. Like, classified information was the, the, one of the original columns of Nintendo Power, and, like, it it makes me realize there's this whole chunk of Nintendo that people just don't know about. Like, it goes back to the, the meme again about, you know, Mario versus Mario Sunshine. It's like, there is a group of kids that grew up after Nintendo Power ended, or after they stopped doing classified information with the rise of Game Facts or whatever, and like, like I started subscribing to Nintendo Power 21 years ago. I did the math. 21 years ago, Jesus 1999. Christ. And in 21 years, kids were born, became of drinking age, you know, like, it's like a whole stretch of people that don't know pieces of Nintendo. And the, obviously, classified information is a very small very very small example of this but like how many people do you think have played f-zero x from the n64 in that generation but maybe would check it out or how many people have played the original paper mario you know they could have led into um was on the wii u though origami king mm-hmm. what original paper mario was on the wii u i think you just cut out there what was that <laughs> there we go yeah, you, there we go. You're back. What were you saying about the original? Nintendo's censoring you because they don't like people talking about Paper Mario before. Oh, I got stuff. cut out. No, I just said that the original Paper Mario was on the Wii U. Oh, that's true. That's true. So I guess there are some exceptions, but there's a lot that isn't. Maybe the GameCube era, really. Like, I don't know. It it really just feels like like it's like that Simpsons one with Skinner, where it's like, am I out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. Like everything mm-hmm. these kids are saying, I'm just like, no, this is not. Nintendo. I mean, it is Nintendo now, but they're missing out on all the Nintendo then in terms of games and everything. So, I don't know. I think you're right. I think they're they're botching it by not doing it. But I I do have a question. Actually, Angel. So Angel, you said Donkey Kong Country Two is your favorite. Kevin, do yeah. you have a favorite from NES or, or, or of of the Kongs of Country One oh, Two Three? Country One for sure. What makes you say that? Because it sounded like well, actually, yeah. What makes you say that? And Angel, why is he? What makes you say two by comparison? I say one because just of the nostalgia reasons. I didn't play, I didn't play Donkey Kong Country two or three nearly as much as I as I played one. As a matter of fact, I don't think I finished two or three, but I definitely finished Donkey Kong Country one. Hmm. And Angel, why do you love two so much? Um, I mean, a lot of it is nostalgia because I mean that was mm. by the time that game came out, uh, my brother was old enough and able to play games with me so that was like a game that we were able to pretty much like almost exclusively play cooperatively which was really really awesome but i mean we played one and two to death like i remember like beating part one like multiple times and also part two but what i feel like always edges out part two over one for me personally or even part three is just that it always felt like i just love the the more unified theme i feel for it I mean, part one does have a unified theme, but I felt like part two like just really runs with like the pirate, and I don't know, like every single like piece of music I just like love there, like from like the oh man I can't even even know like a lot of the names off the top of my head like jib jab, no jib jig, like disco train like mining melancholy, freaking sticker bush symphony oh man and crocodile cacophony like those are all just like really really good tracks, and I think my and favorite all yeah. of them alliterated and they also <laughs> just have like a really good part two also just has a really nice difficulty curve like i love how the game already kind of starts with a difficulty that implies oh you just beat part one 
we're going to kind of keep it already at that difficulty that it kind of was towards like the later half of the game instead of mm-hmm. kind of feeling like I'm starting over from the beginning. And like everything just kind of felt like part one, but more like all those issues I had about like those secrets just giving me extra lives. They were all given mm-hmm. a purpose in part two. Like you collect these creme coins to go into the secret lost world to get a secret ending against like Captain K rule. And I mean, not to mention the story, like just felt nice and kind of made sense. It's like King K rule is getting revenge on Donkey Kong after defeating him in the first game. So he kidnaps him and he became a pirate. Cause that's just like what he did. And Dixie Kong, I felt was just like <laughs> a really cool inclusion. Like, yeah. I mean, I already, like, Diddy was already my favorite character of the two Kongs, so giving him a starring role, just like, well, I just also love that, but Dixie Kong also became really cool. Not to mention mm-hmm. the new animal buddies were all really interesting and fun. Like, I love using the snake, the spider, and even um, now having a playable version of the parrot instead of it just being a flashlight in part one. And, mm-hmm. yeah, the final boss battle, besides the music, like, the fight itself actually felt like a culmination of everything you had to do up until that point versus like part three I felt like the boss battles kind of went in the other direction there were like a few that I don't know like because I played the game in the last like within the last 10 years and just like to play it again and the quality or at least like it kind of felt like the attention that they gave the bosses just wasn't there as much as it was before they were just a lot easier like especially I think the most disappointing thing about that one is just um, the fact that you fight against Frank and K. Rule. That one, like that boss battle, was just ridiculously easy. Like, and I just felt like it was designed by a completely different group of people. Actually, the whole game kind of feels like it was designed by different people. I mean, good or bad. I mean, it's still a great game, but yeah, that's why I like part two the most is just. It, I think I just also just played it at the perfect time, especially because of the bonding with my brother. But yeah, right, right, yeah, because I think. Um... I mean, I actually gave this some thought because I, I knew once we got into Donkey Kong Country, you had strong feelings. So I was trying to figure out because for me, I actually do think my favorite is Donkey Kong Country 3. It's cool um, that we all like a that, different one. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, now, granted, by the time I got to it, it was also within the last 10 years, actually. I played it on Game Boy Advance back when they dropped the subtitle. So it wasn't Dixie's Double Trouble. It was just uh, 3. That's even worse because um, I remember Dave Wise at least composed the some sides, of the music. Yeah. Oh yeah, from, no, he from Donkey Kong Country Three on the Super Nintendo, but on the Game Boy Advance, like someone else yeah, composed it, it, which they're still fine, but you know, it's not the same. I think, if I'm not mistaken, on the Super Nintendo, they took songs he was he composed at the time of the other two and used them in three, but all the original stuff made for three was by someone else. So when they brought it to Game Boy, they only used the original stuff, not the like leftovers, so to speak, or the B sides, if you will. Um, but yeah, I think why I really like it. I think it's for a similar reason that I actually prefer Mario Galaxy 2 over the original Mario Galaxy, which is, like, once things were so established by the first two games, the devs, whoever they were, it probably, there was probably churn, but whoever it was, they were allowed to run a bit more wild with level ideas. Like, ultimately, a lot of the gameplay is the same. You're tag-teaming as two Kongs, slight different abilities. You're collecting things. You're finding bosses. You're finding secrets. But, like, some of the level ideas are kind of out there compared to the first two i mean there's a slow motion level there's one where you adverse the controls there's uh the fact that one of the bosses like you're throwing things into the screen uh, the screen the screen at a time when you know back when the game first came out that wasn't so common um there's that one lightning level that was kind of crazy like uh you know there's that boss that's a creepy face behind a waterfall for i don't really know what that was about but like it was weird and kind of cool and something i feel like they would not put in the first game and i also thought so there's like that element 
But I also thought the overworld was just more interesting because, again, to draw an analogy, one of my favorite, uh, actually my all-time favorite game, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country's overworld uh, was pretty linear, but then in the third one they opened it up a bit more, and there wasn't necessarily a single path to go down. You could kind of go any which way and discover secrets within the map, and it kind of had that, like, echoes of Mario World. And, I mean, the game wasn't perfect. I, I'd agree in a heartbeat the music it wasn't as good or as memorable. Uh, the plot for 3 was somehow even more non-existent than the others although I, I did think it did a good job of kind of showing okay if you go into the northern hemisphere like away from the jungle like here's how like nature and industry kind of mashed up with one another like that that was kind of neat but i think um but i think really it was the, the and, and and actually to be fair because the level design was all over the place i feel like the difficulty and pacing were kind of all over the place but overall i feel like rare nintendo just got kind of weird and wacky and i just really love my weird nintendo so yeah, that's probably why 3 sticks with me the most, even if it's not necessarily the best, but it's definitely my favorite of the bunch. Hmm. Yeah, so... I mean, it's kind of not a point. It's literally some of the things you're saying, you know, in regards to 2 and, and the differences, but yeah, it's just, I think it's not necessarily the highest quality game, but it's the one that just, like, stuck with me the longest. So whenever I think of Donkey Kong Country, I always flash back to 3 for some reason. And Kitty Kong's dumb. I'm just saying, he's dumb. But, like, it's fine. <laughs> the game made up for it. Yeah, it it was kind of hard for me to get past Kitty. I mean, I still did since I still beat the game, but yeah, like just the fact that only Dixie was there, and then Diddy and Donkey Kong just come out at the end. It, it a lot of it did feel like an afterthought, but there were it like, was there very were, much there, us. It was there, like there, a spin-off that got a number. Yeah, there, there were some interesting levels, and I mean, the overall was kind of cool. Like it was cool how you had to um, upgrade your, I guess, your vehicle mm-hmm. so you could go to the next area. Although, like. The overworld was still there was like a few places you can go to that were kind of exploratory but for the most part it's like go to this area and then bam you're in a a, a standard map just like you would in any donkey kong game and then when you beat that game you go yeah back it's, to the it's more area. the connection yeah it's more the connections of how you go from world to world you're right than the actual yeah. individual levels but that still give it more flexibility than like the past games and like to be fair some of that because they were so like off the wall with it like there's weird stuff like you know you're in one level and suddenly you're in a snow world and then the next level in the same world is like underwater tropical it's like how this thematically makes zero sense so, like there was definitely a lot of like slap togetherness but i feel like the i, I feel mean, like the slap togetherness allowed them to do some more ridiculous stuff and get away with it. i mean i'm to go back to that waterfall I mean, boss like what was that why was there a face behind the waterfall? i don't even remember is a slug right like like what was yeah. that about? Or actually, the the boss where you throw into the screen wasn't he like an angry snowman or something? He like maniacally laughs at you or something? Like I don't know. Yeah, like none I, of those made sense. I, I feel like that <laughs> gameplay style didn't really mesh well with Donkey Kong, but I mean, part two has some weird mishmash too. Like I remember, like the second area or the second world, you kind of first you start off in a giant beehive, and then mm-hmm. you go into like a carnival, which is just like one of the most like iconic places I guess for me. Mm-hmm. Just because you know you're riding on a roller coaster and the music is kind of like all. Oh, you know, theme park and fanfare, and then you're racing right, a ghost right. through a library, and I mean, they're both they're, they're all kind of kooky in their own way. Two and three definitely kind of go off the rails. The literally. one thing I kind of wish that series continued to do, and the fact that, like, yeah, huh, literally, uh, but the fact that Donkey Kong Country Returns and its sequel didn't do this as much, I kind of like the idea that you never played as the exact same characters twice. 
Like they they transferred over a person each time, but they left one behind, so you kind oh, yeah. of kept getting and these it, new people and gameplay ideas. I did like, like that. I, I, they I didn't did, like Kitty. I feel like they should have done. Yeah, some, I didn't like Kitty, but I like, like, like give Kitty the design another another but, go over. But I mean, <laughs> Kitty. Well, not only that, but Kitty was literally a walking barrel. I mean, like essentially his thing you could do with him is throw him like he was a barrel. But it's like, but there are barrels. Why do you need to throw him? Well, no, so they, that they could do that to little... everybody. No, but his wasn't thing... that his big his big? No, oh no, he could roll. That's right, he could roll. Everyone can roll. <laughs> no, what his, am I thinking of? What's his special thing? His thing is that, one, he has a ground pound that no one else has. And he can also bounce on water for some reason. The big... Well, that goes to show you how <laughs> inconsequential his gameplay mechanics were. To yeah, the because most people didn't use them because they just like, I'm just going to use Dixie. And, which is, which is kind of always the case anytime you have like Donkey Kong and some other Kong. Like You just kind of always go with the other one. But, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, and to be fair to Rare, they tried with donkey kong 64 like having five five kongs and having them all be like different characters you rotate between was literally the evolutionist idea i just kind of went retro when they started doing returns and tropical freeze sort of followed it through or at least brought back those banana birds those were funny do you remember those i think they were in three maybe they were in two but they're they basically half peeled bananas oh okay because they're half peeled bananas that also somehow look like bird and are fully like alive birds which yeah. again it... makes zero sense but it's great yeah they were weird Oh, that's right. They weren't three because you gave them to the bears or whatever. When no, no, no. You, brother you, you, bears, you, you, bear brothers. You, 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 Didn't no, you? You, you? No, you take coins to the bears. The banana birds, you have to collect them all and take them to this, like, sanctuary in the sky thing where their mom is trapped. And then their mom is, like, a giant version of them. And then she mm. finishes off Frank and K. Rule. But, yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. It's been a while, I'm, I'm guessing. It's my favorite game, but let me tell you, half the things that I know about are wrong, apparently. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it I hurt, guess unless it hurts in the right place, though, my heart's in the right place. I know what I liked about it, and I glossed over what I didn't. Which, which you know, <laughs> that's true for all nostalgia. You remember the good and forget that. Like if you look back on the Wii U right now, like you're like, oh yeah, it had some droughts, but I think you'd mostly think about the good games it had, not the endless emptiness in between. <laughs> so like that, that's just nostalgia. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's what, what we've been playing, and I guess it that's what's been. new with Switch Online. Um, I, I think like those unless there's anything else you guys have been playing that you want to talk about. I think we kind of transition to news. I kind I was those... kind of playing huh. Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, yeah. oh right. Oh well, one congratulations on finally getting it. Thank you. How's that going? How's that going? I it's know you've been you hell. Tried dude. a long time. <laughs> go on. Go on. I don't so know. How, so how, so I don't know why I listened to. I I don't know why. I I played it like twice, and ever since <laughs> I started, it's it's been a week. Because I am too terrified to keep going with that thing. <laughs> I will die. So, I swear to, to God. Elaborate. I, I, what I, difficulty? I knew, are, what level are you doing? Level thirty. I knew. Oh, see, I'm I was doing like fourteen <laughs> when I do it. Like, I, I knew I was. I knew I was out of shape. I did not know I was this out of shape. Jesus you are doing Christ. the hardest level. You can work your way up. The game encourages you to work your way up, not start. At the no, top. but no, but ever since Angel told me that, like. Well, ever since I started at level 30 and knock it down, it's just going to feel like cheating. It's like, well, no. Because no. he's a madman. <laughs> like, don't trust his opinion on this. The game, which has fitness advice, is saying start small. There is a big payoff, though, because then eventually, when you do, after doing one attack, you'll be like, cool, I think I'm actually have enough energy to do another attack just because of how many reps <laughs> they make you do. And then yeah, you but get. The... And then eventually you get to a point, because, you know, it is an RPG, you get enough modifiers. Like, I'm at the point right now where. I'm going back to older levels just to kind of 100% them. 
and I'm actually able to like kill all the enemies on the screen with like a single attack just because I do that much damage. And you get mm-hmm. like you know clothing and stuff, and you add shakes on top of all your modifiers, so you get to attack twice in a row, and all your damage is doubled, and you get like triple, like double experience per fight. So like, there's definitely it it it, it gets there, but I feel like the first three to four worlds are definitely hell. Which is why um, they want you to ramp up, not come down. <laughs> no, man. Now, it's, now it's, it's, it's more satisfying this way. Well, but the problem is, didn't you say you only did it for like a week and I was scared to do it again? Isn't that backfiring? In well, that case? well, well, Drago, that, that's his name, right? Drago? Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I remember, I remember Angel telling me like, oh, just wait until you get to the bosses because I got to Drago and like, all right, let me do a squat to see how, see how much of itself. <laughs> it does nothing, dude. Like it literally, did. like a pixel sliver. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, a pixel yeah. sliver. And I was like, "Excuse yeah. me, I have to do not not only do I have to do thirty of them just to like use another move, but it barely even touches him." I I started cheating on that Drago boss fight, and it still hurt like hell. It or was, you could start just at like wait level until he gets to so, heal. and then do it oh, properly God. and work up your stamina. No, no. No, I'm committed. All right. I, I will All eventually. Right. I, I, I applaud I the commitment. Base. I will give you props for that. But you are also like Angel, a madman. So yeah, I'm just killing myself at this point. Have you um, played it again, Jason? After that first, not week? recently. No, I played it for more than the first week, but not recently. I played it for the first eight days. No, uh, I played it for more than a week, but I haven't recently. I wanted to kind of get back into it once the quarantine started, but then I realized I could just go walk outside, <laughs> and it's two birds, one stone. So. Because the thing about the thing is, cooped same, up inside, yeah. gang. I know, but I'm I'm in okay shape, ish, barely, sort of. But no, I, I should get back. You're to a, a I have the ring, have the ring con right over here. What? You're, you're a path of least resistance kind of guy. I am very much so. Yes. So the path of least resistance is just not to use the resistance band at all. Yeah. But um, I I do walk every day, so I'm not. I got some cardio going. I walk every day, too, from my room to the fridge. I walk like a mile and a half to two miles around my neighborhood up a hill, which is better than the fridge. But when I was working back in the office, my exercise used to be the uh, whatever it took to get to my car in the parking lot. So I'm better now than I was then. Interesting. But I'm not ring fit good yet. Maybe I should get back into it. Hmm. Sure. I, for some reason, have my Switch in the hottest room in my house, and that's where I would be doing ring fit. Perfect. And that it would definitely... be like a sauna. It it was not perfect. It was torturous, especially because it was like what November, October when it came out. So we had the heat on in the house. So that room, like I'd be doing and I'd be running, and then like the heat would come on, like and the vents right above me, and I'm like, why am I doing this like this? And I know I could just use tabletop mode, but um, I didn't really do that for unclear reasons. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, I'll, I'll get. I'll maybe I'll get back into it. Not at level thirty. I'll stick with my fifteen-ish or so. But yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I guess that's what we've been playing. Um, and, and we you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Switch Online. That was one of a few small sort of self-contained announcements that Nintendo made recently. Uh, the second is the very cool, very out of nowhere Lego NES set, uh, a novel concept in a good sense, uh, a $2,646 set that lets you, and yeah, seriously, uh, it lets you build out of Legos, a model of an NES, its controller, a cartridge, and a CRT TV. And what's crazy about the TV is that, for those who haven't seen it, it will display a moving Mario level. There's a little crank on the side that, when you turn it, will cycle the level by and move 
Mario up and down on a little wand of sorts that stimulates uh, simulates him jumping through the level. Plus, like the amount of detail and everything's just really cool. Like you'll be able to insert a Lego cartridge into the Lego console. The back of the TV is detailed down to like the composite AV cord plugs. The controller is exactly life size, even if the rest is a little smaller. It's really, really cool. But Angel, you touched on something when you made that joke. It. What do you think of the price? It's two twenty nine. I mean, initially I thought like. Well, it's Lego. I mean, of course it's going to cost that much, but um, there's a channel I've been watching recently that just kind of got recommended to me by YouTube, and it's just like some guy that just reviews Lego sets. And I'll get into this after we're done talking about the NES set, but he's pretty much reviewed the entire Nintendo set, which is why I brought him up. But Mm -hmm. he also talked about this set, and when it came to the price, I guess as someone that is an avid Lego collector, he was like, oh, it's actually a little cheaper than I expected. So... Huh. I guess, um, so you know, so I guess in the Lego community, it's a very fair price, but to people that you know don't really don't, I guess it's definitely on the expensive end. It's almost like you're paying half a console, but yeah, because if you if you translate, someone did this. If you translate the NES's original MSRP to dollars, like today's dollars, it would be the same price as the Lego set. But that's an actual functional Wait, brand really? new NES. How much? Apparently. How much? How much did a brand new NES cost back then? I off the top of my head am not sure. I think it was like one seventy or something. It was ninety Wait, plus a plus a CRTV. Oh no! Uh, well, the CRTV <laughs> is to work, Kevin. It's not a real CRTV. Well, uh, yeah, but like <laughs> I if, know, I know. If this isn't a real. I mean, Good it's, point. Yeah, Good okay. Point. <laughs> if, you, if you want to put it all together, touche. I guess a CRTV touche. that size. If you I really, guess, if you really want to do a real cost like analysis. <laughs> If you want to do a real cost analysis, apparently another thing I saw was it cost roughly 0.08 cents per brick for the 2,600 plus bricks required to build this. And when you put it in those terms, it really doesn't sound bad. You're paying less than a penny. Personally, 0.08. personally how much? 229 Yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem like a lot to bad. me, honestly. It's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% buying it. I'm just waiting for the pre-order oh, to go live on LEGO's website because like – Interestingly, Lego's website and physical stores will be the only place you can buy this thing until 2021. It's not getting the wider release that the Mario set is. Well, if there's one thing um, that Jason does finish, it's Legos. I can definitely. It's true. Thanks to the thanks to you giving it to me, I have the Lego Wally over my shoulder here, and um, did Lego Dimensions come out keyboard. on Switch? Uh, no, it was already what? dead by then. It's on Wii U. It did it. It's on Wii U or Wii. Oh, you're right. It was a Wii U thing. Yeah. Yeah, we still have those I, I, four I, I, sets um, hanging on our wall. Hmm. With, like, the ones you got for like dirt cheap at like a Hastings or something? No, we got them literally for a dollar each at the dollar store. I was pretty close. Hastings isn't much better than a dollar store. Yeah, we got the <laughs> the Portal one, the Sonic one, which apparently is the only place you get a Sonic minifigure, and the Homer and the mm-hmm. Bart one. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, but yeah, you're right, Angel. Legos are one of the few things I actually finish, and I, I do on some level, I think, get why <laughs> this one maybe isn't getting the wide distribution. And that's I'm because, sure you also finish like, it because if you don't, you leave a mess, and I doubt you would want to decide. Too. There's also that. No, but but um, I think part of it is like something like this is like you you, you don't really you're buying a thing that isn't made, and it you but you're buying the finished product, so you have to actually spend the time to make it. You know, Just and like I Labo. think that's partly yeah. what. Well, I I have my Labo piano and gun sitting right under my desk here actually um but yeah it's it's a similar idea like like what you just get sheets of cardboard and do nothing with it isn't that um, the similar but, isn't that a similar idea with like video games it's like oh here's this thing that hasn't been beaten 
and you still don't beat games. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to wrap this episode up a little early. It's been great. No, but you, you raise a point. I think the difference is like because I'm buying them with the intention. Labo maybe less so. Lego more so. I'm buying it with the intention of ultimately displaying it. Like I'm – and I think this is probably why they're selling them on the website only is because this is not like a kid's Are toy the way Mario said it is. I'm, I don't know no, because that's on my entertainment shelf. It will probably go next to Wally or something. But like I have – like I'm buying with the intention of having this cool built thing – um and it's not necessarily a toy like labo's an interactive toy video games you could argue an interactive thing but these are like display pieces they have to just put together so i think and i think that's why it's only on the lego website and store not for sale like toys r us or they don't exist anymore but you know what i mean because um it is a very different audience like this is much more intricate um like i have multiple co-workers who are adults i work with adults and they play with they build quote unquote adult Lego sets all the time. And like, they're not huge Nintendo fans, but they're big Lego fans and all of them express interest in getting this. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Cause it's like, it's like a model kit. Like you don't build a model kit. You don't buy a model kit to not build it. Like video games. You, yeah. You can make that argument, but you're arguing something out of the value in the process. You're not necessarily getting something out of a half finished Lego NES, except a time sink, which I guess if you want, but, um, yeah, like even more so – like that's why I think this is more so up my eye than the Lego Mario set because that is more of a video game. That is more of a of a toy but like something like the 600-piece Wally that Angel, you gave me. Like I don't know. Like I didn't even play Legos a ton as a kid. Like my mom's – it was to my mom's benefit. She kept buying sets because she wanted an excuse to play with them thinking I would play with them too but then I never did so she just did. But mm-hmm. um, like I never played with them as a kid but as a doll. I like playing with them as having something to put on my shelf. It's like an accomplishment almost. So I, I guess my point is, is that I think it's very smart how Nintendo and Lego have done this sort of like two prong approach. Jason can IP. finish something. I can. I there's a picture of the Wally on my Instagram from like four years ago. If no one believes me, but um, yeah, what I was trying to say is I think like it, this two prong approach that Nintendo and Lego are doing, like to approach turning their IPs into Lego, is really smart. Because like the thing with the Mario video games and Nintendo games in general is that it's easy to enjoy them at any age in the same way a Pixar or Disney movie can be enjoyed. But with Lego. It's a little, little harder because it requires the physicality, right, and the dexterity and the imagination depending on what you're doing. So, of course, there's some overlap. Like, it's probably why you could put the Lego Mario on top of the Lego NES, and it will do the sound effects as you crank the little CRTV model. But I think Lego and Nintendo realize that there are two approaches that can't really be compromised with one another. One is this very intricate thing, one is this more playful thing, and there's not a one-size-fits-all. So the fact that they're kind of doing them in parallel and then launch them on the same day, I actually think that's very smart of them. So props to them for that. And they got me to buy one when I wasn't playing by any of the Mario stuff. So, Although to be fair, Angel, you, you said um, that you were watching a video of the Lego Mario set, and it seems to have some intricacies of its own, huh? Yeah, I... I've definitely grown to appreciate that set a lot more since its initial release and for a few traders because I felt like it was too it relied too heavy on your own imagination in the sense that it's pretty it was pretty much no different than just role playing with action figures in your head and you're holding them in your hand. It's like mm-hmm. I, I wanted more parameters and limitations that kind of force you to actually play with the set. Like and maybe it's just a me thing. Like, like I'm thinking, like, oh, does the instructions say how high Mario is allowed to jump in order for it to count as a proper jump? But, you know, you see people just, like, jumping around, like, willy-nilly. Like, oh, there's Mario doing, like, a triple jump that goes, like, clear across the whole board. It's like, is that legal? It's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
but is that illegal <laughs> <laughs> no is, is that legal is that like a legal move no but, i knew what you meant it's just like <laughs> yeah, but but yeah i mean they come out in august they're like pretty much upon us and like after seeing like this video series by this guy that we linked um his review because he got review copies of every single lego set for the mario series which is kind of nuts so i've literally seen every single set like in action like the toad house the bowser's castle the fire trap the pokey piranha i mean the pokey plant like all these really interesting ones and they all have some interesting modules that do kind of have the limitations that i was hoping for like there's one where essentially you plays mario on essentially it's like a platform that's extremely wobbly and you have to very slowly like nudge him across and the video definitely shows you how like sensitive it is and as he's moving mario like he'll play specific music because all every piece has a certain tile and as he's moving you'll collect your coins and he's he falls over very easily so you have to be very careful then there's other modules where you have to place mario on another platform and as you rotate him he swings like a hammer of sorts and knocks the the cactus plant over or even like fighting bowser which has its own kind of interesting mechanism where you have to stand Mario, like, I guess, on another platform that as you rotate him left and right, he essentially shakes the platform Bowser is on ever so slightly that he starts sliding forward, and you want to keep doing that over and over until he completely slides forward and falls onto his belly, which then exposes his back and lets you jump on him seven times to destroy him. And I've seen, uh, and I guess lately he's been creating actual obstacle courses that are you know, designed for speed and time because you do only have a minute to complete these. And the goal is just to, you know, start the time, go around, get as many coins as you can before you go back to the flagpole where you finish and then Mario tells you the score at the end. And if you don't cheese it and you actually try to do everything properly, there's even like some quote-unquote keys that you can set up so like, oh, before you touch the flagpole, you have to collect the one, two, and three key and you can have them hidden all over the map in these special kind of modules where if you touch a lever that Mario's next to, it'll like lift up a palm tree and oh, there's a key under that. You know, there's like some, you could almost kind of replicate like a Super Mario 64 style level, essentially. Mm -hmm. Is it enough to get me to buy it? No, not even (laughs) close. But it does at least make me, but it does at least make me go like, all right, it's, I, I won't say it's dumb. I'll just say it, it's pretty cool and unique. It, it just makes me appreciate the idea and the effort that went behind designing it this way. Like, I'm actually glad they at least tried. And maybe that's also because seeing this NES, NES, this NES Lego replica, at least, like, reassured me, like, all right, at least we're still doing some other more traditional sets and not just forcing in this thing that no one asked for that is still cool, but no one right. asked for well, I mean, half the time yeah. Nintendo does stuff, it's because people people don't ask for it. They just kind of oh, do don't it. even get us started with doing things. That, just reminded of like Ziplash and how they're like, oh, want to want to support the franchise? Buy this game. But does that tell them that we want a 2D style Chibi Robo because it sold so well? Or does it tell them, I guess, yeah, there because... Is... Or, do, or if people didn't buy it, it's like, oh, it must be because they don't like the franchise. It's like, no, because we didn't want that from Chibi Robo. Nintendo, the best yeah. thing that came out of Ziplash was the Chibi was the Chibi Robo Amiibo. I think pretty yeah, cool. for sure, for sure. Yeah, but you know, well, I, yeah. I do. These Martha's kids are gonna go bananas for it. But I, I do think, I think you're right. I think like 
Nintendo, they, they spent four years developing this Lego Super Mario set, and I think it does show that they really did think through an experience that's different from just what we want Legos to be. It's different from what, like, Legos tend to be. It really is kind of like a mashup of Lego and, like, Mario Maker, and that, that is pretty cool. And I think for everything that Nintendo seems to be doing right with these Lego sets, like both of them, um, you know, NES and Mario, I do have a bone to pick. And this is something that's been bothering me beyond just Legos, but they're perhaps the best example of it. There is, as far as I have noticed, zero cohesion whatsoever in Nintendo's activities lately. Like these Lego sets, you know, they were developing for four years. So whether originally intended to be or not, they're coming out on Mario's 35th anniversary, right? And at the same time, Nintendo this week tweeted that Hasbro is releasing a new Mario-themed Jenga set and a new Mario-themed Monopoly set. The Monopoly one is literally called the Super Mario Celebration and it features art from all the various games over the years, from 8-bit to now. Even Mario in his Flood backpack is on there, which I don't know if that's a hint of Mario Sunshine HD or just they found some old zip file with that art. But nonetheless, like you have all these Mario happenings. You have the rumors of the 3D Mario collection for Switch. You have Mario 3D World Remastered rumor for Switch. You have the entirety of you know the uh, Super Nintendo World. When it was on track, it was all Mario-themed. Um, and you have... A brand new Mario spinoff out this weekend, like we were saying, Paper Mario. Uh, and there is zero, nada, nothing, no 35th anniversary branding on any of these. No badge, no emblem. It just feels Man, I think off. they tried like harder Nintendo... on the year Luigi. Yeah, and, and like Nintendo did such a good job with it for the 25th anniversary of Mario and for the 30th anniversary of Mario. You know, in the 25th, they did like the Mario collection on Wii. Uh, the 30th anniversary, they did the Mario anniversary Amiibo, I among mean, other things. And they, they just slapped logos. the SNES ROM onto a disc. But they, they still, like, even... did something, and it was branded, and it had that symbol, and that <laughs> symbol was used for the all the Mario marketing nice. that year. The box was really nice. And that little booklet, and the CD. Anyway, but my point is, like, they did some original stuff and some license fare, and it was all billed as a celebration. And they're doing that again right now, but they can't seem to muster up a logo. Like, I feel... Like Do I you get think this coronavirus silly. is what is what they're wrenching. I don't know. I don't know. I, it must have on some level, but like think about it from the brand partner's perspective because they have an opportunity to be part of like you know this much broader marketing campaign, cross promotional tie-in opportunities, and they had this opportunity to get instant collectors' eyes to by just getting a little logo. Like there's a reason that so many brands do this, right? Like Konami literally. <laughs> on Super Bomberman R, when it came out on the Switch in 2017, I don't know if you guys remember, it had a 22nd anniversary icon for Bomberman, as if that's a milestone that anyone cares about. But I, I think what makes me so like uh, pa- passionate about this point, I guess, is that like to your question, Kevin, they all signs were pointing to Nintendo doing some sort of big unified anniversary thing before coronavirus, like. Arguably, this is the biggest anniversary year the franchise was ever going to have. You know, there's those reports that Nintendo's going to do an anniversary event in LA during E3. Uh, at their fingertips, they have all these games and services that they could do stuff on Mario Kart Tour, Super Mario Run. They could have done something with Super Mario Maker 2. Like, fans even discovered there is a dormant Super Mario 35th Twitter account uh, at Super Mario 35th, which was registered in March, so right before the pandemic. And while you can't see who owns it if you do a password recovery prompt it shows a domain that looks identical to the one used for smash and splatoon's twitters which is nintendo.co.jp it looks like it's it's you know blacked out but you can see enough of it it just it just seems like even if corona got in the, in the way this is a huge missed opportunity because you're, you're right maybe they can't do the event because you know the pandemic maybe they can't um have some of the stuff they can't open the theme park but like 
a Twitter account isn't affected by this. In-game events aren't affected by this. All they're doing is leaving their partners kind of out to dry. Like, it's not like Nintendo had to hand-deliver a 35th anniversary logo to LEGO or Hasbro. They could have done all this virtual. They could have done exactly what they did now, but just made a website that has it all, co- like, in one place, open the Twitter account to follow for updates, and then just announce things through that. They've done so many Mario uh, LEGO tweets and so many, like, other things that they could have easily just package it out together or put an emblem on every single one just indicate there's something going on it's just really weird to me that they're just like so haphazard and i don't know how being stuck at home necessarily affects that since it's all digital to begin with and it's not that to make a video but i don't know it just struck me as really weird that they have more going on this anniversary than the last few and as you said angel your luigi had more attention but it like I don't, like on some level, it's not even just the, it's like this is indicative of a bigger thing because it's not even just like a silly badge on a box. Like I'd say, more generally, there's just a lack of cohesion in how news is being presented to fans. Like to give you another example, let's look at um, the announcements of the Joker and Hero amiibo. Right, it was three weeks ago that Smash Bros. producer Masahiro Sakurai did his Min Min video and revealed that Joker and Hero are coming. He promised news soon on a release. Yeah, date. baby. Yeah, are you buying it? Actually, first things first, are you getting the Joker amiibo? Absolutely. Or have you pre-ordered it? No. I, I didn't even know you could pre-order it. Exactly my point. Thank you. Yeah, so they announced yep. at the oh, end thank of you. June. Got me. It's already sold you, out? I got you. I got you. I don't think it's sold out, but it's been available for a few days. I don't trust you anymore after that. You did that on purpose. I actually – I did it – I honestly thought you might have known because you I'm literally looking at it right now. Proving. It's sold out. Is it? What? So, the hero so here's available, my though? point. Wait, 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 yeah, wait. No, 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 no. Well, no, no one cares about Hero. I'm sorry. The the Joker one is sold out? Everywhere? Yep. Are you, uh, are you serious? No! No, it's available. It's available. Oh, okay. Fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, well, that's the standard Mebo price these days. Uh, I know. Really? But here's my oh, point. And, and honestly, Kevin, I, I thought there's a 50-50 chance you did pre-order it. But here's the point I'm getting at. Wait, so they so do a somebody sent me a pre-order link. And I, and I was kidding about Andrew. Hero. I, I know a lot of people like Hero. Angel, Angel send him a pre-order link. Uh, oh, yeah, he does like Hero. But, yeah, it's uh, my point I'm getting at is so end of June, he does a Min Min video, and he says, stay tuned for more on Joker. Fast forward to July 14th, 23 days later, not that long later, and Nintendo just casually tweets out the equivalent of, oh, yeah, these Amiibo are out on October 2nd, by the way, and put a 10-second, like, sizzle reel gif on it. So, like, here's... Well, if you recall, when... Here's the thing. I mean, when the when the... Yeah. When the Smash Bros. presentation aired, he had recorded that way before. In so May. He obviously... But oh, they could dub oh, it in. in. They could dub it in. It's not that hard. Like, here, here's what I'm but saying. But then the like, Japanese viewers will know, like, wait a minute. He didn't say No, that. they don't have to dub it in. He could just say they're coming soon and just on the screen put October 2nd. Like, they could yeah. have given him. No, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah sure. I know. But Should it, I and pre-order that's two of these? One to keep in the box and one to open? Hmm. Yeah, one to open. Well, well, Kevin, considering you just gave away all the Amiibo you kept in a box, shout out to our Twitter winner, uh, Tyler. Um, I yeah, don't Tyler, know. I, I finally, what... I'm, so, I'm sorry about the delay. I finally shipped it out. Uh, it's going to come to you in a computer case box, and it looks kind of sketchy. So, but you, you know, promise it's not a bomb. It's just but, uh, yeah, Amiibo. I promise. Yeah, it's just wrapped in a bunch of tape. Don't worry. It's legit. The wires hanging out are nothing to worry about. Yeah, don't. It smells a little like like gasoline, but that's because I I got some on my pants uh, when I was. It's a long story. 
But yeah, I, it, it is funny that right after you gave away all those amiibo, just get rid of them. You're now like, oh, great, more amiibo. Time to buy two of them. Just literally um, one. Well, I know, but you're buying two of but, one. Well, that's the question. Should I keep one in the box? And then I don't for... think you should. I don't think you should, but that's just me. Because I think in three – actually, yes, you should. And in three years, we'll give it away on Twitter when you want to get rid of it. True. All or two. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> but anyway, no, that that was my point Like about the, um, the Sakurai thing is like they could have just said the date. Like I get that maybe yeah, – I mean like the, the Smash video had two million views. So why not announce a date there to people who aren't paying as close of attention? Like I'm sure one could argue that Sakurai recorded – you know, you were kind of making that point, Angel, back in May, and Nintendo didn't know their production timeline by then. But, like, you can insert that. Or, like, better yet, like, just save it for another Nintendo, video. No, just, no, but I mean, they like, know, save it for another video. Because, like, they could have, there's going to be other Smash videos. There's going to be a Treehouse Live, literally within days of the presenta- of the tweet. Combine it. Because the problem is, like, you have viewership who may, <laughs> if the date was announced then and there, hop over to Best Buy or Amazon and buy the thing on the spot. If you say check back later and then just casually tweet out at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday night, is that same 2 million people going to be like, right, I need to get that? Not necessarily. And So are you saying are up the that, that you're smarter than their marketing team, their team of I'm professionals? Saying, I'm saying yes. I have no marketing degree, but I am smart. No, what I'm actually saying is I think – like, I mean to sum think up of it that, Think of it that way. Here, if, I think – Say you had like – for whatever reason, you actually had – the opportunity to just straight up ask them only that question. Is there any possible answer that you can think of that would actually be satisfactory or you actually don't think of there's anything that they could say that would be like, oh, okay. I'm sure there's a reason, but I think the point I'm getting, I'm sure there is a reason. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but I'm sure there's a reason. But I think my bigger point, like why I'm on my little soapbox right now is I think this is a symptom of a bigger problem with the industry right now, which is things are just being stretched too thin. Like, it was only a month ago when we had our E3 wannabe episode, right, where we were essentially – like, we had all the trimmings of what would be a typical E3. We had a big presentation. We had some first-party news. We had indie news, and it worked, and it was followable because the gaming community held things relatively close together. So something like Summer Game Fest, where which essentially is curating and collecting all that's happening, you were able to go there and get close to a one-stop shop as a – maybe, you know, as a more casual consumer of gaming news perhaps because it was somewhat close together. But in the time since, things have spread out more. Like, did you know there was a Japanese, like, slash anime game presentation with Axis Games, NIS, Spike Chunsoft in late June yes, called New Game Plus? Yep. Okay, you did. Angel, did you? Before no. I told you about it last night, okay, yeah. And then that a solid dozen or so Switch games pop up. If they did that, let's say, back-to-back with something during our E3 wannabe period, I bet you a lot more people would have been aware of it. Wannabe 3? You're... Wannabe 3. Yeah, I can't believe we botched that title. We. You keep saying we. <sighs> me. Me. <laughs> I, did, I did save it. I put it in the tweet ultimately. So I kind of brought it back. But anyway, but yeah, so like you knew you knew that one, Kevin. But like I didn't know about it until after the fact. Angel didn't know about it until I told him about it yesterday. Like if this was during E3, all those games, because so many eyeballs would be going to those publications covering gaming that one or two weeks – it would have gotten more attention. It would have gone beyond its niche, I guess you could say. Or like the inverse of that is like, Angel, you tipped me off to the fact that there's a Shantae re-release happening on Game Boy Color. Like an actual – you want to explain it basically what it is? Yeah, I mean essentially Limited Run Games is actually releasing a recreate – a replica cartridge that works of the Game Boy Shantae, the Game Boy game Shantae. 
which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And another, and another game called um, Extreme Sports, I believe. But yes, with an X, yeah. no E, just an X. And it's definitely it's not every day you get a dev like actually trying to release like an official cartridge. And I mean, I obviously didn't get into Shantae until the DSI War days when Risky's Revenge came out. But I don't know. Did you ever play awesome. the that, original? Definitely... Um, I played it. I know I did because I want to say it was released on. If it was released on DS, I did. If not, then I guess I haven't. But <laughs> okay. Well, it's time? coming to Switch. If that helps any, they're also doing a digital and physical Switch release, from my understanding. Yeah, which is cool. I looked into it. Yeah, but like, I do remember. It, it's interesting because I remember Shantae was like such a. I think it came out after the Game Boy Advance by like a year, but it was still on Game Boy Color, so it like did not sell well. It did not get a big run. Yeah. And like it goes for like thousands timing. of dollars on eBay now. Like you can get a sealed copy for like ten thousand or something. Damn. And and now I mean now they're kinda of undermining that value a little, but um yeah, it's cool that like I think if if once they bring Shantae to Switch, I think all the Shantae's are available on Switch in some capacity, which is kinda of cool. Yeah, we're getting the director's cut. I think it's of Risky's Revenge. And, yeah, I mean, the newest one, Seventh Sirens, came out not too long ago. I still have to play through that mm-hmm. one, so. Mm-hmm. And Hatching yeah. Heroes already on Switch, yeah. I mean, what can't Way Forward do? They've been doing pretty good lately. Uh, Well, a lot of people say Bakugan, but we'll get to that in a minute. Let's call it a foreshadow. Uh, no, but, but Shantae Breakover, the, the thing I was getting at here real quick is. is foreshadow? Um, not really. It's more just, just a tease. It's literally, yeah, it was that's a tease. It was like, it was a like tease. the night of the news being like, tonight on the news, there was a murder. Hear more about it later. Yeah, it's like, well, I kind of, you kind of, that, that's the lead. You bear, you, you gave me the lead. I don't need anything more. Uh, but yeah, Shante, before we go to Bakugan real quick, the point I'm trying to get at, which Shante was a good example of, is that news, in my opinion, is just so shut out. Cause like little, limited run games, they do that presentation during E3 week normally, and it gets caught up in all that like churn of people looking at E3 news. It was like this past week, and I had no idea. And usually I'm on top of this stuff. And like we collectively cover gaming for a podcast on a bi-weekly basis, and there's stuff that now we are missing. There's no real structure to anything. Like everything, everyone's just doing their own thing. And as a result, it feels like the stuff that's niche perhaps stays more niche. The stuff that's big still gets some attention. Like if this was E3 or even wannabe E3 when like IGN, Games Radar, Guerrilla Collective, all of them were doing their own shows at once – You'd at least have like a hub where you can go see all the news big and small. But like what's going to compel an average Joe to know to check IGN to see like, oh, there's a new Shiren the Wanderer dungeon crawler on Switch or like Trails of Cold Steel 4 is coming to Switch in 2021. Like normally those would just be within the other headlines, but they're by themselves. these kind of smaller kind of dependent on the bigger guys. Game announcements are just getting buried. Like, maybe it's just me, but I know Jeff Keighley was – he was doing, like, kind of a, a Q&A on Twitter, and he was saying Summer Game Fest, if they do it again, they might need to tighten it up a little because it is very stretched out. But I don't know. Like, are you guys feeling like you're missing things or things are, like, sneaking up on you, or are you kind of cool with how, to, how it is this year? Uh, it, it, I, I feel like some things have been sneaking up. I mean, I mean, anything that would come from a, I guess, major developer that I follow, I feel I've been able to keep up with. But other than that, like, a lot of uh, – a lot of the smaller titles, I'm definitely having to go back and be like, oh, this got announced? I had no idea. Yeah, like that alpaca um, soccer game that yeah, you, that was, that you saw. Super yeah, super random, yeah, which looks really cool. Yeah, but that's like one of those things that like it would have been in like the indie showcase at E3, like at that booth, mm-hmm. and it would have gotten extra attention. But now it's just like someone – they're tweeting it, and they're hoping it just happens to catch on with some people, which sucks. 
And I, I think the other like downside of the current setup. Well, Kevin, actually, you didn't even get to say anything yet. Well, uh, how are you feeling? Are you cool with this, or do you wish it was a little more organized? Uh, definitely more organized because just the amount of, <clears throat> excuse me, the amount of like shows or presentations is just too much to keep up with. Like, like you said, you have uh, the Girlie Collective, you had New Game Plus, you had Devolver Show, you just had mm-hmm. the PC Gamer Show. You have Summer Game Fest, which is which doesn't like even include any of the stuff that I just mentioned. Yeah, uh, which is weird because they're supposed Ubisoft to be the thing, one catch-all, yeah. right? It's like it's too spread out. It's I I don't know this if if everybody talks about like oh after this year E three is done E three is over with. I I feel like now more than ever we actually need E three. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I was really worried that this would be like you only need three. I think maybe E three as a as a physical thing is done, but the idea of having everyone coordinate and kind of cram all their stuff together, I think, is actually more crucial than ever. Yeah, because I I think the other uh, downside of the current step is that because every game needs to get whatever attention it can, so many reveals, big and small, are being hyped as these mysteries that you have to find out what they are by tuning in at a later time. Like, I feel like practically all of Ubisoft Forward last weekend was basically that. Like, they trickled ahead of time, quick glimpses of things. Like, they showed uh, Far Cry 6, and like, look, Far Cry 6 is going to star... Oh, God, what's his name? Jean, Gus from Jean Breaking Carlo Esposito? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's going to star him. And then, so they tease that out, and they're like, tune in Sunday. That's and then you cool. tune in Sunday, and the reveal... Well, it got leaked. It is really cool, though, isn't it? it, got, it yeah, got no, but I mean... They had to tease it out. Yeah, so they did, but they did, like, a six-second <laughs> thing. And then on Sunday, all they did was, here's two and a half more minutes of the same thing. Like, they didn't show much of anything. No real gameplay. It was just kind of like, hey, he's in it. Yeah, and I think, like, was, was, uh, it was, was Yeah, and, like, exactly. And I think the most, like, egregious example of this whole, like, they're trying to, like, make things hype when they're not. And thus making it even worse is, um, we already said it, Bakugan. Like Nintendo themselves with the tease of a way forward game using a new partner IP. And b- before we dive too deep into this, uh, that's how I thought it was like be anything else. <laughs> what? Yeah, everyone what? did. And I, yeah. I, I, I feel like I should put a disclaimer. It's not Nintendo's fault that fans run wild with speculation and set themselves up for disappointment. What I do think Nintendo should be mindful of, though, is that they need to like if they need to like hype an announcement like this at any level when something like paper mario arguably a much bigger game was just randomly tweeted out one morning people are going to expect something on that scale or larger they are creating their own hierarchy that is established, that is established literally by just their actions especially now when they don't have directs so like you can't really like Nintendo, you can't just kind of willy-nilly be like this one will be a reveal this one will be a surprise because you are well, it's not your fault that fans start making assumptions, but you are sort of putting precedents in place and then sort of going against them, which is what causes people to be upset. And so for those who don't know the full story, um, Nintendo held a Treehouse live, street, uh, live, live stream last week to focus on Paper Mario the Origami King. Uh, it was honestly like the best look at the gameplay itself up to that point. Like I think it both sold a number of people on it and also confirmed to some other people that maybe this wasn't their speed. You know, maybe the thousand-year door diehards, this isn't what they want. But I digress. The point is they do this Treehouse Live presentation. Nintendo promised, and I quote, a first reveal and gameplay for a title in a franchise new to developer way forward. And immediately, people's imaginations ran wild. People were hoping it'd be a 2D Metroid. Wario Land was trending nationwide on Twitter within just a couple <laughs> hours, which, which to be clear, like, 
Wario Land is the correct choice for what Nintendo IP WayForward should make. I mean, the pirate theme is right there. Shantae already exists. Captain Syrup in Wario Land, like, it's perfect. So, I don't know what well, you guys Well, I mean, are considering all their games, for the most part, are Metroidvanias, Metroid does make more sense, but... Nah, I think they could. I think they could do Wario Land. I'd love for them to do. They also do hand drawn animation, like shake it. Like they could totally do Wario Land. Anyway, I mean they can't. It got but... so bad. I mean they can't because Nintendo's not letting them. But yeah. Anyway, it got so bad so fast that Nintendo made the very rare move of tweeting a follow up, saying just a few hours later it was not a first party property but a third party one. And then fast forward to the next day, the end of the Treehouse Live, and what do we get? Bakugan. So, well, how hyped are I mean, you guys? I mean, I mean, in their defense, at least we are like 100% confirmed that Leonidas will be in Bakugan, which is I, it, what I feel it's, any it's, self-respecting Bakugan fan cares about. I don't know who Leonidas is, so I guess I'm not a well, Bakugan they, fan. They, they felt it necessary to point that fact out during they the presentation. They really did, yeah. And it, it, that's, for some reason, that's the only thing that stuck to me. I'm like, oh, I guess he must be important. I guess it's a good thing he's in here, and I'm not missing out. But so you mean you mean it wasn't the hundred quests? It wasn't the eighty Bakugan? Is the plural Bakugan also Bakugan? Bakugans? Bakugans? Bakuginis? Anyway, the eighty of them. It wasn't Bakugan. the online multiplayer. Bakugai. Ah, it wasn't the online multiplayer powered by Nintendo Switch Online. Subscription required. It was Leonidas coming back. Yep. Interesting. The whole thing, like watching it, reminded me it was like a poor man's yokai watch mixed with like a poor man's Pokemon. <laughs> like I feel bad saying that, but it just looked like half baked. I don't know. Ouch. Like, game I development think, isn't easy, Jason. I know, and I'm not saying like I'm like can fix it, but I'm just saying like I feel like that was not the best foot forward of that game. And I think like what's puzzling to me about it is they enlisted a developer as talented as way forward, only to say no. Don't make what you're good at and what you're known for. Don't make a 2D side score. Instead, can you make us a 3D action RPG? Like, what? So is the Nintendo they watching this then? Is that is that? No, they, they. So I have a theory about that. Or is this a two party um, game? This is this is WB party, that's publishing it. Yeah, it's it's WB that's publishing it. Nintendo has it as an exclusive, and I think the reason conspiracy hats on boys. I think I'm the, having trouble <laughs> thinking no, of a think, 3D game they made. Hold on, let me find it. I, it's somewhere on here. They they um they didn't make a 3D game ever. If anything, if they were going to pick any developer to like do this, I don't know why they didn't do Yacht Club Games. Because Yacht Club Games has at least said they can do 3D. They're actually, according to a listing, a job listing I saw somewhere, I think Go Nintendo covered it, Yacht Club Games is actually hiring to complete a 3D game they're making right now. So like they're already in that world, but they have huh. the same 2D pedigree. Like that would make more sense to me. But what? Yeah, Shovel Knight 3D, 64, probably what they'll call it. But um, I think the reason Nintendo made such a big deal out of this ho-hum Bakugan is Reginald fils Now, hear me out. I've got the whiteboard with all the clues and the strings connecting them. Hear me out. Reggie was the former president of Nintendo of America, yes? No. Uh, the you're tr- wrong. No? Oh, well, time to tear down the whiteboard. But yeah. no, he was the huh? former president of Did NOA. Pepe Sylvia tree... somewhere in there? What? No. Have... No. Sorry, I don't. But the treehouse... The Treehouse is also part of NOA. The Treehouse hosted the presentation. Now, Reggie, <laughs> he may have cut ties with said NOA when he announced his retirement, but he just so happens to be on the board of a company called Spin Masters Corp. And who is Spin Masters, you may ask? Why, it is none other than the IP holder of Bakugan. So my theory is that Reggie is playing both sides of this. He probably still has Nintendo stock, 
So he convinced Spin Masters and WB Games that Bakugan should be Switch exclusive because the demographics line oh, up, that, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. But but then, simultaneously, If anything is going to raise the Nintendo stock, it's the newest Bakugan game. No, 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 no not raise it. Not raise it. But he wants to ensure that... Blow it out of the water. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send it into space. And so here's the thing. So he has the Bakugan side, right? And simultaneously... Or the, the um, Nintendo stock in his hand and spin master's pocket right simultaneously that's not the right phrase simultaneously though he used his old nintendo connections such as product marketing head bill trennan a treehouser if there ever was one to via this man on the inside convince noa that promoting bakugan as if it was one of their own is in their own best interest and it'll give a sales boost to help his new love spin master and if you need proof of my theory look no further then Reggie, having tweeted a tweet within minutes of Bakugan's announcement, sharing the news of how his old and new worlds are colliding, he even used the wrong Treehouse Live hashtag to give the appearance of not being in cahoots. But I know the truth. I'm on to you, Reggie. Like, Nintendo could easily, if they wanted to do a game from the mid-2000s that no one cares about, there's a new Zoids coming out a month prior. There's a Zoids Wild Beasts Unleashed coming out in October. They didn't highlight that. Uh Uh-uh. They highlighted Bakugan. My, Bakugan, a word that I haven't heard in over 10 years. I rest my case. Whoa, Reggie that that old? is colluding. Yeah, like it's the really only... Uh, it, it's like hard for me to think of any other like Japanese game animes from that era besides like, Yu-Gi-Oh! I feel like that's, since that's the one that won out, I guess, for me yeah. and the select group Beyblade. that I played with. Well, like some are coming back. I mean, like, I mean uh, Beyblade Monster Hunter. Like it was Monster always Hunter. there. But I felt like Yu-Gi-Oh was definitely like the champion, and then then definitely Beyblade. I mean, it's still around. I mean, kids when I worked at the elementary school couldn't get enough of those things. But yeah, Monster Hunter. Uh, they were doing two of them on Switch already. So, but but oh, um, no no no. I mean, like that that had an accompanying anime. That was... yeah, Monster Hunter. Did you never watch the Monster Hunter cartoon on Fox Block? Fox Kids. That's Monster Rancher. Oh, I meant Monster Rancher. Wow. Yeah. I, I was Monster like, Rancher. what are you talking about? I, I The wrong thing is what I'm talking <laughs> about. I was so... Listen, I, oh, I spent Monster all my Monster Rancher was energy. like... I don't know. Like, if, if you were unlucky enough to be that one kid that was a fan of it and everyone was like, oh, you Yo, like that? what? <laughs> Excuse you. What? <laughs> Monster Rancher was dope. Yeah, what are you talking about? I like Monster Rancher more than Digimon. I mean, I mean I've, okay, I've heard... Okay, well, you calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard good things about it, but I barely hear anyone talking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm well, sure it wasn't a bad thing. I, the only reason I feel like unfortunate is because there weren't enough people, I guess, like in my friend group that Kevin, liked it Kevin, to share um, to, um, yeah, to share to the share love with like on the show. And stuff. Yeah, to share opinions. Like, Kevin, kind of like on your own because everyone else either Pokemon, Digimon, or whatever. Kevin, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you buy that excuse that it was unfortunate that you didn't have someone to talk to if you're a fan? Not unfortunate that you liked the thing, which was definitely what he originally meant. No, uh, that wasn't what How, many, how much was... do I buy? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much is that a good excuse to come I absolutely buy it because I was the only one who ever watched that show. <laughs> Actually, I, I, was, I was too, to be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, in, in all seriousness, like, uh, whiteboard I mean, conspiracy. Like, you could put any CD into your PlayStation, and that gives you a new. Monster. Yes, and it worked. And you know what's crazy? So they're porting. Mon- they ported Monster Hunter One. Or sorry, Monster Rancher One to the Switch, and they're bringing two. But they don't have a CD drive on the Switch. They are actually opening a website where you can go and list off CDs you should. They should consider, and then you go through a menu on the system and you pick the CDs, and they're all real CDs. 
that are being in the game that you just sh- choose from a, a menu. Oh, which I is kind of nuts. I can't wait to see ne- what Jesus brings up. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I don't even know how they're filtering it or, or if they are, if they're only like non-parental advisory ones. But yeah, I'm curious what Jesus brings up, uh, what anything Linkin Park brings up. Now that's what I call music uh, 69 brings Set, up. Yeah, yeah n- nice. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, It'll be interesting. But I do, I do think like the Bakugan, my little tinfoil hat thing, like in some seriousness, I, I do – think it's kind of interesting how reggie's current retiree life is still like constantly intersecting with nintendo uh like besides spin masters he's also he just joined as an advisor in indie game studio called rogue games um it's really like a gaming avengers over there it's him it's the former playstation head is um, like a, jack is he, trenton isn't a board member of it's no apparently not it's and um the thing about rose uh the other time i was gonna say is it's not only those two so you got the playstation guy and the nintendo guy the ceo of the studio is matt casamana the uh, I don't know how to say his last name. He's like the former head of IGN in the uh, Nintendo channels during the GameCube and Wii days. Like the IGN Nintendo guy is running that, and now like the former head of Nintendo is working with him as an advisor. So kind of interesting. Like on the Nintendo side, Ray, Rogue hasn't done much yet. Like up to this point, they um, they did mobile games. Like uh, there's one they have on Apple Arcade called Super Impossible Road. It's basically a game where like you have to find the shortcuts like in Mario Kart 64's Rainbow Road in order to win so you have to like, go off the track as it winds or like Monkey Ball maybe um, but they're now doing games on consoles like Reggie is advising a Switch game they're making a game that they're calling a PT style remember PT the Konami thing um, a PT style horror game called Under and Reggie is hmm. advising that apparently so he's back making games for Nintendo from outside Nintendo which is kind of interesting and and yeah, you're right. He's on every board because he's still on the GameStop board too. I didn't even think of that. There's another cross section of uh, of uh, Reggie and Nintendo. Although I hope that one he actually gets to advise them well. Because uh, you guys hear about that mask policy they have now? Yeah. No. So GameStop uh, GameStop's gonna require people to wear masks if they want to shop at GameStop, which is you know smart. But they're not allowing any employees to enforce the policy. So it's literally uh, just an empty PR gesture. So how does that work? Exactly. It doesn't. They sent out a memo to employees basically saying, we encourage masks and we, we, we delight in our customers wearing them or whatever wording they use. However, don't tell them they have to finish their transaction, which hmm. is like so dumb. I might go on a so, rant here. Uh, Please do. And I'm sorry if you're a GameStop employee who really loves uh, working at GameStop. GameStop? I don't think any of them do, just so we're clear. <laughs> GameStop, right now, especially during this pandemic, is the most path- is one of the most pathetic companies that I can think of. Ever since ever since keeping their their business their their stores open because who was it? I think the CEO was like, "Oh, we're an essential business because we sell keyboards oh, yeah. and webcams and stuff like yep. that." Yep. You can yep. go straight up screw yourself with that with that nonsense. And now the fact that employees can't even tell people to buzz off if they don't have any I'm 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 heavily censoring myself here. Uh appreciated. <laughs> the the fact that they can't tell customers to to leave if they don't have masks. Oh, you you have to finish their transaction? What it, it's it reeks of desperation because they know they're going under soon. Yeah. They, they know they're going under soon. And it's just, you're just trying to squeeze out every little penny out of everybody that you can. At the it's cost so, of the health. At the, co- of the, at the cost of the health of the employees and other 
and other customers who might be in the store. It's yeah. so sad. It's so pathetic. I never want to ever go back into a GameStop ever again. I mean, Not they that always, I have, but they it's, always were it's so pathetic. pathetic. Like they push so hard on upselling you on everything you ever do there. Like I used to be a very frequent GameStop customer in Montana when I was growing up. Software Sarah was like my gen- I was always there. The staff knew me and would give me like promo displays. It was great. Move here in high school, go GameStop. It was okay. But then like they just kept and they knew me. The staff like recognized me, but they kept pushing the upsell over and over and over and over. And it'd be like five times in one transaction. There's big like, this is I'd rather just go best buy at this point like it was just like they they kind of destroyed themselves i would say like obviously the internet didn't help but like the the poor customer experience which this is just kind of the like the um the the kind of like exaggerated form of but the like the 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 poor experience just it's been their culture for so long that like yeah they just they really screwed up and I understand on the upselling because they are a business, and to a degree, I can understand. Uh, no, I can't even understand the mess thing. This is a matter of public health. It's not a matter of you trying to get your money, like in the way that yeah, is well, when it comes to upselling. There's a fun. There's a fun. I use sarcastically. Um, tug of war going on between the economics of the pandemic and the safety of the pandemic, and for some reason, those are considered equal footing. When really it doesn't – if no one's safe, there is no economy because everyone's dead. So so I don't really – or at least in a hospital. So I don't really right. know like what the logic is with some of this. But they're, they're just playing the field in the same way that like Disney won't open their corporate office in California, but they will open their theme park in Florida. No, we are just... roughly the same rate. So like there's definitely like a business – I, I'm just mostly disappointed that every zombie movie was wrong, that when there's a zombie outbreak, like, everyone would band together and try and stop it. In reality, I think half the people would be like, you know, zombie's not so bad. Like, I have a f- constant supply of food. Like, I don't mind this. Like, yeah, I got mine. I'm still going to send my kids to school. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You know, maybe maybe when they're – maybe they'll have an easier time learning when um, when they can just eat someone else's brain. Like, it's just like – it's it's so dumb. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, just GameStop. You're yeah. – you're, GameStop knows that the time is up. At this and point, I'm really, they're like, all right, screw the public healthy of everybody. Uh, let's just try to make as much money as we can before the Titanic sinks, you know? And, and so, really, it's so disgusting. I really, really, really hope that Reggie is like an arm's length away and is just giving them advice as needed or like can maybe sway them to be a little better. Because I think Reggie, the reason he joined the board, and I, I kind of agree, is there is something to be said for having a retailer that is dedicated to games. The same way that there's like... You know, you have a movie theater, and then you have, like, those, like, indie art houses, and then you have just – you can go buy a movie at Best Buy. Like, those are all different experiences, and I think gaming, you have kind of the indie art house thing with independent shops. You could argue you have sort of the mainstream movie theater experience with, like, a Dave & Buster's, but it isn't at the scale of, like, other mediums where there isn't a, like, dedicated, like, games place in the way there is for other things, and I feel like a bookstore or a comic book shop, and I feel like – there's room for that, and there's a reason to have that, but GameStop is not – just because they're the ones there now doesn't mean they have to be the ones that stay that unless they can reinvent themselves in some sort of positive way. Yeah, but, just – Yeah, it, which they're not. They're nowhere near at the moment. It's it's bad. But but we digress. We've been digressing a lot. We were talking about Bakugan, right? And um, I think on paper, I, I, I do kind of get why this exists like reggie conspiracy aside aside like if i were nintendo what i'm looking at and wanting to promote here is a third-party exclusive 
developed by one of the most prominent indies on the Nintendo scene, and it's a franchise that has some sort of nostalgia from the 2000s in the same way that for older fans riding the 90s nostalgia wave, you know, there's opportunities to sell to them. I just think, like, A, the game maybe could have looked a bit better, and B, maybe they could have picked a better IP for some, like, aughts nostalgia. Is that, is that what the 2000s are? Aughts? Yeah, aughts, yeah, that's, that's, what, yeah. that's what some people call it, the aughts. Yeah, so I feel like they could have, like, they could have picked any game or franchise to bring back from, let's say, 2000 to 2010, and I bet you it could have been better than Bakugan. Like, what, are there any that you guys would have wanted to see? Not even just Nintendo ones. Let's say any, pro- I mean, Bakugan isn't Nintendo. Any property from, like, the first decade of this century, like, I feel like could have gone better. Are there any that, like, you wish maybe they would have done instead? Or any you just wish would come back in some capacity? I'm going to get the way forward in particular. I mean, I just want Chibi Robo to come back, but I don't know if I want way forward near it um, but just in general like never mind way forward just the idea that Nintendo's like here's an opportunity to get a IP going again you're working a third with another company or it could be first party it doesn't even have to be way forward I just mean like here's an opportunity to be like let's revive X and instead they're like no Bakugan <laughs> like like I mean like for me I've been into the idea of a Prince party. of Persia revival for a while now hmm. I'm sorry what game? Prince of Persia because, like, I, I don't know if you saw any of them. back... So the GameCube one, I've only played Sands of Time. Like, of the three of that trilogy, I didn't play Emo Warrior Within. I didn't play Warrior the Within. third one, whose names I forget. The but Sands of Time was good. Twin Sands, I think? Or the Twin Yeah, something? that's right. That's right. But I really like Sands of Time. Um, I'm just going to keep saying its name. Sands of Time. And I, I thought it was really oh, cool. Like with Jake the, Gyllenhaal? The, no. Well, that's yes, but not the game. That's the movie. Right idea, wrong medium. But, I saw that movie. Uh, how was that movie? <laughs> what a mistake what a mistake it was. <laughs> uh but yeah, like I feel like if they rebooted Prince of Persia, like that was a big property for Ubisoft at the time. And there's like there's actually a leak that this that's came to mind to me. Wait, there's I a fourth come game. Back. There is not. There is. There was a leaked one in May. No, it's not the leaked one. There is a fourth game. Oh. Because after after the twin whatever, uh they did a Snakes? another reboot. Is the, no, not Twin Snakes. <laughs> I gotta check this up. Well, you look it up. Oh, well, I'll explain the leak. Angel, do you know what we're talking about with this leak that happened? No, I can fill you no. in real quick while he looks it up. So, Prince of Persia, there's a game in the works called Prince of Persia Redemption. And there's a target render they made of, like, kind of like one of those Ubisoft, like, look, it's a game. It's gameplay, but it's not. They made, like, a seven minute long video, I think. Um, and it was sitting on YouTube. The Forgotten Sands. 20. Forgotten Sands, right? How fitting that's not the, that's not the third one. Uh, the Two Thrones is the third one that you're thinking of, right? And Forgotten Sands was the one after. Was the fourth right. one? No, it was the yeah. one after the 2008 reboot. God, there's two. Well, point is, they need to bring it back <laughs> in the way they again, I guess. But yeah, because like that 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 leaked um, the leak from 2012 that just somehow was sitting on YouTube for eight years and no one noticed until like in May. Which for those who haven't seen it, we'll link to it on the blog post. But it actually looks really cool. It's very like of its era like it sort of looks like uncharted through like a prince of persia lens but it did make me nostalgic for sands of time and basically since early may i've been kind of like is where what's up what's going on prince of persia is there anything happening and what's annoying is there was a glimmer of hope yesterday because i saw ubisoft is rebooting prince of persia but as a shared vr experience like you know like the void where they do like the star wars thing yeah it's called and here's the thing it's called the dagger of time it's actually set during the sands of time trilogy so maybe they're priming the pump a bit. I don't know. But I was just kind of like, I've been wanting Prince of Persia since this thing leaked. And then suddenly Ubisoft's like, hey, Prince of Persia, but mm-hmm. not how you think. 
And I think like in a way to go back to Ubisoft Forward, we were talking about it a little bit ago, but I think that's what made Ubisoft Forward so disappointing to me is like I wasn't counting on them suddenly reviving Prince of Persia in a meaningful way. But I also thought a company like Ubisoft, who traditionally has been a big backer of Nintendo platforms, like I thought they would talk about the Switch in at least some capacity, even if it was just throwing some port compilations our way, kind of like they did with Assassin's Creed. Like a Prince of Persia 3-pack would have been pretty cool and would have primed the pump better than a VR experience that you do socially that no one can do because VR arcades are closed right now. Um, like, so that would have been cool. Like, you know, some sort of, like, Splinter Cell collection would have been cool. Like, I know there's rumblings of that series returning. Both of those games, I would say, are, like, some of my favorite third-party GameCube era games. And yet, Ubisoft gave us nothing. We got literally nothing for Switch. Even games that were announced for Switch, like Gods and Monsters, which apparently is now getting a serious reworking, no show. Didn't pop up at all. Like, somehow EA and 2K are now better supporters of the Switch than Ubisoft. It's bizarro world. But, but yeah, like, so... When I saw Bakugan and Prince of Persia, I'm just like, why can't Bakugan be Prince of Persia? And why can't Prince of Persia just happen already? They already tried it. What is going on? It was just frustrating. But I don't know if you... I mean, you were saying Chibi Robo Angel. Yeah. Um, but is there any other that, like, you just wish... Or, or Kevin A. on your end that you'd like a franchise that just deserve a second chance now or a reboot? Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Reboot Kingdom Hearts to make the story actually oh. make sense. And, uh... Oh. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't, I, I can't really... I can't really think of... Any at the top of my head right now, but yeah, it just seems Ooh, like it just Billy Hatcher. Huh. Give me a oh, give me a Billy Hatcher uh, sequel Billy or, or, cool. or some sort of reboot. Sonic did, Adventure two three. Well, I mean, Billy Hatcher is not that far removed. Did you, Angel? Did you ever play Billy Hatcher? No, but I saw the video. I I forgot what game I got that had like different trailers for different games, but that's where I saw it. Look hmm. cool. It it's 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 like it's not quite Sonic, at all. But it, it is a pretty fun game. It's from Yuji Naka. It was his like it was a GameCube exclusive, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I think it was yeah. And it was like it was basically his first original game in a long time. Actually, from that from that point of view, like a new Crazy Taxi or just a re-release on Switch of the existing Crazy Taxi would be cool. I like Crazy Taxi. A, a Crazy Taxi done by like Criterion would be. Ooh, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Or like, um, even like if Se- while we're going down the Sega route, like a Skies of Arcadia re-release of some sort, maybe an Upres, that'd be kind of cool. That was a cool game. Mm-hmm. Power Stone. I never played that one, but I know people like it. That's mm-hmm. Capcom now. I'm jumping around like crazy. But uh, yeah, I guess um, like the point is arguably like these are all better nostalgia plays for us than than Bakugan. But but maybe Nintendo knows something we don't about Bakugan. Like I, all I. All I know is that when you keep his radio silent in Nintendo and then you only pull back the curtain for Bakugan, you're gonna get a reaction. Especially now, since like I was saying earlier, like we know of not a single first party release confirmed for this year. And like even if Nintendo sticks to their quicker turnaround time, like eight weeks from announcement to release, which they did with Paper Mario and with Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, as of now, that means we will not have a single new Nintendo game until late September at the very earliest. Which just seems odd for them like for for the time being it's not like nintendo necessarily needs it they're not in a bad spot um it it feels like they're it feels like they're a frame that i kind of always fall back to throughout the pandemic which is you know we question test course of action but then the mpd group puts out sales numbers and they're killing it and sure enough june sales numbers came out and uh nintendo's still killing it like switch is still the top selling hardware this month Animal Crossing still selling like crazy. Number three spot on the overall top twenty. Mario Kart's at number nine. Smash is at eleven. Zelda's at fourteen. 
Um, since you guys actually just spent nearly an hour of our Quarantine Chronicles talking about Last of Us 2, here's a fun fact for you. Number one game in June. It was the oh, biggest launch of the year. I thought you were going to say, like, since you guys spent an hour talking about Last of Us 2, I'm going to spend an hour talking, about, oh, no, 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 no. Hour talking about sales numbers. I'm like, no, oh, this is gonna, no, this is just this is going to be brief. Don't worry. But, uh, no, it, it was the number one game of the year, bigger than Animal Crossing. It did not quite beat Spider-Man to be PlayStation's biggest launch ever, but is now number two on the list. Um, so it was, a, it was a good month for Last of Us. But the the success story for Nintendo this month is probably Ring Fit Adventure, which thanks to people like you, Kevin, uh, the restock in June, it went from, this is crazy. In May, it was number 845 on the overall chart. In June, it was number seven. Like those legs. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, you, you did your part. And in, in, in a way, like I get on some level, it does seem like Ring Fit's a whole new release for Nintendo because it was so hard to come by for so long. So Nintendo can ride that out. Same goes kind of for Animal Crossing. Like, it doesn't have the same newness, but clearly, you know, updates like the swimming and diving features rolled out a few weeks ago, and that's resonating with folks. And there's still the whole word-of-mouth viral marketing that's going on. People keep making memes. Like, Angel, you sent me that Hamilton one the other day, which we'll link to. Um, Do you want to talk – actually, before I even keep going, that Hamilton one's pretty cool. I mean, the the short of it is – someone that is a huge clearly a huge hamilton fan and a huge animal crossing fan went out of their way to go into harvey's island which is where i guess you do a photo op mode and they give you a free moving camera where you're just supposed to take a bunch of pictures of whatever you want but this person went the extra mile and actually created a bunch of the songs from hamilton using the animal crossing characters which is really impressive synchronization and a bunch mm-hmm. of nice staging like the backdrops they use the editing it's it could almost be played off as like an official like nintendo made recreation which is really impressive but yeah i mean just a a, a a bit of i guess fan i just a fan creation cool. that I, I felt definitely deserves a, a nod yeah it, it was the one for my shot in particular it's really good Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll link to, I guess, all of, like it's one playlist, I think. So we'll just link to that in the blog post. But uh, it is unfortunate that um, the most recent Animal Crossing patch, like I guess they were exposing, taking advantage of a glitch where the viewfinder doesn't appear on, I guess, on the camera as you're recording or taking pictures of things. But now it's always present at all times, which oh, that's kind of annoying. Yeah. Which you know doesn't look as neat, but right. it is what yeah, it it's is. Just kind of in your way, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like um, the, the the reason I brought that up was like you know the the viral market like Animal Crossing still has word of mouth in its favor, but at the same time, like I think we are starting to see signs of maybe things slipping a bit. Like Xenoblade Chronicles came out, right? It is in the Switch's top ten sellers, which interestingly so is the Outer Worlds Switch port. Who would have thought? But neither of them, definitely not Outer Worlds, made the top twenty chart. Perhaps more notably, though, a play for the casual audience introduced to Switch by Animal Crossing Clubhouse Games that didn't make it onto any chart it wasn't on the top 20 it was on switch's decade 10 uh and that game in particular feels like maybe that's one that maybe a lot of people go digital for but even in those cases half the audience traditionally still buys physical so like did it really do that poorly will it maybe be a slow burn like either way i think it indicates that if and when animal crossing and ring fit taper off nintendo will need more to work with like they've been fortunate to ride this out for so long and there's really no reason like that momentum's gonna suddenly stop or fall off a cliff. But like as it comes down, like as people start going to the world in some places and lockdowns sort of end, like 
what's Nintendo have? They literally, it's literally a blank slate right now. Like already on the hardware side, like the trend of year over year gains has stopped. Hardware in the industry is down 17% compared to last June. That's the first time since lockdown that it went down. And Switch is still killing it. You know, software, even in the industry as a whole, software has propelled overall sales to a 10 year high. But maybe it's like a canary in the coal mine situation, but they're like all those stories of how the Switch kept breaking the Wii's old sale records. Not true this month. It did not break a 2010 record again. And obviously, it's still doing extremely well. But if it and hardware in general and Nintendo's new releases are all slowly starting to taper, which on some level is, of course, to be expected. But, you know, again, it just points to the fact that Nintendo really shouldn't rest on their laurels and assume that giving us Bakugan and nothing else will keep everything running at full steam for months on end. Like, there's got to be something else. I don't know what. I don't know when. I want Prince of Persia. But there's got to be, like, something else they got to do. So it'll be interesting to see if they do um, a Nintendo Direct or any sort of announcement in the next couple of weeks here. Because this is the first time, as far as I can remember, that we know nothing about their lineup. Literally nothing. Outside of a Pokemon and no announced directs whatsoever or anything? There's rumored to be one on Monday the 20th, which is, you know, the day after this goes up, but they didn't announce it, so nothing. Mm. Doesn't seem like it. does seem like they haven't said anything yet. Yeah, no, they're I mean, have they ever had a direct the same day they actually announced it? Well, they did mini. They could do direct minis with no notice, and they can drop an announcement like Paper Mario with no notice, but meanwhile, they're instead hyping Bakugan. So, <laughs> who knows? But it does seem like a weird note to end well, the show on. To be like, oh, they're gonna we have be no games. Gone if they keep this up. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, no, but I was gonna say, like, I feel like there's so many times we're like, "What's Nintendo doing?" We don't know. Find out next time. So instead, let's end how we began the episode. Let's end with something a little more positive. Let's talk about a novel concept again: video game game shows. This is a thing now, apparently. Like days apart, The Sims and Tetris announced they are both turning into game shows. Which is kind of interesting and odd and weird, and I felt like a nice little closer for this episode. Um, in part because the way they're doing it is so different from one another. Like ultimately, they both seem to have the same idea of shepherding people to a game, but they're coming at it from literally opposite angles. So, did you guys happen to hear about either of these, or is this news to you guys? This is news to me. I had heard about them, but didn't look. Are they on so, TV or something? What? Angel? What are they Angel? on? Are they on so, the, so there's one that will be on an app, and there's one that will be on TV. So the one on TV is Spike the TV Sims. doesn't exist anymore. It's now Paramount <laughs> Network. So, yes. Uh, but, yeah, the uh, the one is for The Sims, and it's called The Sims Sparked. And this is, like, it's going to be on TBS on Fridays and Saturdays, and then there's going to be an online follow-up show on BuzzFeed's YouTube channel on Monday, which is the strangest pairing of airings I've ever heard. Uh, but basically... It's Top Chef or like Great or like Cupcake Wars, like Great British Bake Off, but you're making things in The Sims. So the idea is like instead of making food or designing a dress or whatever, you're actually crafting a story told through The Sims, and then there are three celebrity judges who will pick which story they find the favorite. And there are twelve contestants. And they're all going to be making these stories and getting advice from, like, Sims developers and stuff and, like, building out different stories for different scenarios. And the idea is to showcase, like, what you can do in The Sims for people who haven't played The Sims. It's like a marketing move for The Sims. But also to get a TV audience hooked into it the same way that a lot of people will watch the baking shows and then suddenly go start baking and learn how to bake. Wait, are and there 12 to that contestants? End, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's 12 contestants, yeah. 
No, across the season or each episode? Uh, oh, the season. It's a oh, recurring. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's a little different, I guess. But um, the the interesting part of it is – so, you know, if you watch something like Cupcake Wars, you can go make a cupcake afterwards or go get the hmm. ingredients. So when they launched this or just show – or buy a cupcake, which is my personal preference. Uh, so when they launch this show, what they're actually going to do is they're going to put in-game elements and goals and stuff and challenges that are from the show. So you can watch the show, be like, that's cool, and then go buy The Sims and right away start doing basically what they did in the show, but on your own. So it's really just a really long commercial, but it's kind of an interesting way of doing it. And I guess The Sims has this capability. I mean, it is pretty open-ended, but... I would not peg The Sims as a re, of a, as a game competition reality show thing prior to this. It honestly seems <laughs> a little half-assed to me. Just like, oh, you're, twelve people are are going to be playing The Sims, and one and these celebrity judges are just going to just going to yeah. vote on which one they like the most. So and then the winner even, gets a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so it's not even like <laughs> a. Well, I guess the Great British Bake Off isn't objective, but. I don't know. It's to be fair, one of the three judges is a developer of The Sims. Actually, it's two celebrity judges and a Sim developer. But nonetheless, okay. it's still like what? And it's hosted by a random former American Idol contestant. So you know, the cream of the crop for this one. Who do you um, speak in gibberish? I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name. You know, honestly, if the whole show was Simlish? in Simese, that would or whatever it's called, that would Simlish. Simlish, yes, yeah, Simese. God, I sound racist. Uh, but if it was Simlish, that would be amazing, and I would watch that in a heartbeat. <laughs> would you and if they got musical perform no but if they got musical okay. performance actually i would check it out yeah and if they got musical performances because you know how they used to do music videos in simlish like they would get the like, black eyed peas to do it and they like do remixes of songs i would watch will i am have to rap in simlish in hit through autotune 100 percent. that was uh the burbs right uh yeah yeah the herbs Sims in the city with a z yeah Which was, was it the herbs or the burbs uh herbs because it was urban. Herbs. Yeah, herbs. it was urban, which was definitely coded language at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's game show number one. That's kind of weird. Game show number two is a little is more, I think, our speed. Um, Tetris <laughs> is getting a thing called Tetris Primetime. And it's going to be inside the Tetris app. It will be daily, and you will compete in like uh, – it's kind of like an esports competition, but it's going to have an HQ trivia style live experience with a host so every night at 7 30 at oh, your local I forgot time about zone, hq right yeah but every night they're gonna be doing this and you'll be able to win five thousand dollars a day a million dollars has already been earmarked for the entire first year so it's not going anywhere anytime soon and essentially you play tetris but there's like a guy who's some new zealand actor who's like telling you about tetris and apparently like the show components got previews from that night's competition highlight reels from the day's best plays they'll be like tracking the app and um, it's basically like the way that the article I was reading it summed it up is it's ESPN but for Tetris. So you boot up the app and you're going to get this video feed of everything going on in Tetris World first and Tetris Primetime that night. And then you can go and do the competition or you can go do a knockoff of Tetris 99, which I guess isn't a knockoff if it's also from Tetris. But it's called Tetris Royale and it'll have 100 people instead of 99. And then those will be highlighted. And then there's a t- another mode called Tetris Together, which is like a multiplayer private multiplayer rooms with real-time voice chat and then there's of course the solo offerings and they're trying to make tetris like the super social experience which you know it's a game that traditionally isn't um but they're doing it through like a weird game show angle and i don't really know how you do highlights of tetris 
Like, there's only so many teeth things you can see before you're like, I know, like, there's so many you can see before I'm done. But I do think it's an interesting, it's interesting how it came out within a day or two of The Sims uh, sparked and how it's the exact reverse approach. So I am kind of curious to see how these actually, like, go. I mean, if I were to do one, I would probably do Tetris. I imagine if you guys were to watch one, it would be, and play one, it'd be Tetris, huh? Since there's actual money on the line and it's Tetris. Yeah. Agree. I just don't know. A touchscreen Tetris just does not sound appealing to me. Cause this yeah, touchscreen touch Tetris on mobile has never been great. Yeah. But I am curious to check this out just to see. Like, I would watch it. Like, I don't know when this starts, but I will tune in once or twice just to see what it's like. SimSpark, maybe if I'm bored, I'll go find it on BuzzFeed's YouTube channel or whatever. But Is this one actually hosted by somebody? Uh, Primetime? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be hosted by some New Zealand actor. Yeah. Oh, okay. His name's like Bard, Bird, Baird, something like if that. If it's not Scott Rakowski, I do not care. It's not. It's sadly not Scott. I feel bad for Scott. The, the, whole, the, way, the whole way HQ like disintegrated and how they like turned on him was really ridiculous. He I mean, he, he, yeah, technically he was the one that made, uh, that made HQ, but I don't know. It seems like he got off the best out of HQ. Completely. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, considering this could be super morbid, considering one of them died of a drug overdose. Yes, he did get off there. In the Jeez. Uh, well, no. Well, no. I'm saying. I'm saying that like he. He. I don't know what he works. Yeah. He works at now, but like the fact that he works somewhere else and it's not HQ, considering that HQ is dead already. Yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, like, you know, these daily shows are interesting, but you need there needs to be a novelty factor, and I remember like there needs to be something to keep you coming back. Because I remember HQ did a second season where they mixed up the show a bit, and it just was not enough. Like, they missed the moment, so to speak. And I do wonder, like, I think one thing The Sims Sparked is doing that's really smart is it's short. It's like four weeks or something. I don't know how it's possible to 12 contestants, but it's not long. And then you look at, like, Tetris Primetime, and this is like, oh, we're going to do it daily. And we built a whole app around it. And you tune into ESPN, like, but for Tetris every day, it's like, how many people three months from now are still going to be doing that? Like, you need something to mix it up. You can't just have it always be available. Like, I don't know. I think I think they weirdly grab a bigger uphill battle to get like a uh, to get longevity than you know a show that does seasons for four or five episodes. But right. we shall see. We shall see. It's also weird because like Twitch is doing a show too about like becoming a streamer. Like they're doing a reality competition of like the king of I forgot what it's called, but it's basically like the king of streamers. And it's kind of more like SimSpark, but it's like new streamers are teaming up with like professional like well-known streamers as coaches and they're gonna like compete to see who streams the best or something so it, it is interesting that like weird all these what no, i said weird yeah and it's produced by uh amazon prime like twitch's sister company i guess or twitch prime's producing it which is separate from twitch corporate i recently learned even though they're both twitch so yeah it's, it's interesting just to see all our interactive hobbies becoming like linear television shows now some of them but, are even becoming games. Gamer hmm? Girl, for example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gamer Girl. That was something. You all describe that for those who uh, were both fortunate and Night unfortunate Trap, but to see 2020? It? Basically. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's what it is. That was a good summary, actually. Yeah. But yeah. that, whew. Is that, can you, I'm sure you can find that trailer anywhere, right? Like, um. Well, they. Uh, so, the, so the developer took it down. Why did the developer take it down? Does anyone know? I'm assuming the backlash that they got from it. I, I would guess, but does that mean the game's not coming out, or? 
Gamer Girl trailer. So you can, yeah, so if you just put Gamer Girl trailer on YouTube, I'm, I, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So okay. what's what's your take on it, Kevin? You're you're kind of in the streamer world. What's your take on it? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I, I know from us three here the most about like the Twitch culture and stuff like that. What yeah. a terrible idea. <laughs> that's about not, what i was looking for not not specifically because of like the the whole oh you're a moderator for this uh like attractive female streamer who i'm sure is gonna i think it's the fact that there are streamer female streamers specifically that do you get these so it's supposed to be a reflection of a, of a female streamer's life and how you as the moderator the player are going to help her through this but like if if you've seen the trailer at the end, it gets it looks very uh, Blair Witchy. Where yeah, it goes like horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a horror movie. But there like there's a there's a well known female streamer. Uh, her name is Sweet Anita, who who like has a real life stalker, and that she constantly has to get the police involved with. And I think hmm. it's I understand what the developers are going are are trying to go uh are trying to do here and. They even made a response on their own Twitter, like, oh, it's supposed to be empowering and stuff like that. But I think it's very tone deaf, considering yeah. some of the stuff that some of these female streamers actively go through on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's yeah, it's something. Even in the trailer, like, they really make the st- the gamer girl very one-dimensional and very, mm-hmm. like, haha, bubbly, and I'm not a real person. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Should I go get drinks with this friend? Yeah, and like, yeah, why would so she weird. be like, you're a moderator? Why? And then you're like, at, and then they like cut to her like dancing with the moderator at a club. Yeah, like, Listen, like, why? I, that's a weird streamer, not I like a moderated Nintendo's official forum. I literally run moderation teams at my current job. Never once have I or any of the moderators I know gone clubbing with a member of the community <laughs> like what that's not a thing and to be fair in in like the in twitch you do have like twitchcon where some of these streamers do meet their mod members they're not their like mod team. that they're like no in no, London, ab- like... no absolutely absolutely like that where, oh is where, it okay there will yeah. be like okay. twitch parties and you know some of the streamers will will hang out with their mod team for for a little bit who knows what they do off camera or off stream but uh Go there definitely are stories of, yeah there there are stories of, of this stuff going on but like i said the fact that it goes like night trap at the end or what seems to yeah. be the end of the game i think yeah. is very much the most tone deaf part of the game considering right. there are female streamers that do constantly get harassed by these weirdo psychopaths who mm. want to be with their queen and stuff like that so i don't know it's i feel like it's just culture in general has sure. like I feel like we went from ending on a downer if we have no games to being like, oh, but game shows to being like, oh, but society's really messed up. But like game mm-hmm. culture in general, like there's not internet in general. Like it, 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 it leveled the playing field so much that so many people that maybe shouldn't have access to normal people like yeah. get it. I mean like without really taking us down a dark road, but like the Smash community these last few weeks, like Smash Bros, that – like it's it's a mess. Like it's it's – there's no like – there's no like accountability really, yeah. Because everyone's just like crowdsourced, and it 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 can become very problematic very fast. But before we go down that road, we just maybe we don't that. talk about that. Maybe yeah, we just, think... yeah, maybe we just wrap this and talk about our next episode. <laughs> that might be the better angle. Um, so yeah, our next episode 
is coming August 2nd. Uh, I think we'll be talking about Paper Mario the Origami King, right? Like, we should have impressions. I know at least some of us are getting it. All of us are getting it. Impressions? I mean, um, I, 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 maybe. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know if I'm going to get it, just considering how much mm. I, I'm playing right now, adding another game to that. I'm going to start right. becoming Jason where I start buying games and not finishing them. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to have you here. But, uh, yeah, we, we may have – we'll have some sort of Paper Mario discussion. We may have a Nintendo Direct by then. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Nintendo's going to team up with Shinin and make a Beyblade game. Who knows? So we'll have stuff to talk about. The only way to find out is to uh, subscribe and follow. Uh, we are on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. We are on all the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Pandora, and be sure to not just check in two weeks on August 2nd, but also check on the off weeks, so next weekend, for our six Quarantine Chronicles as well. Um, and to make sure you don't um, miss that, again, Twitter, Ram Nintendo, that's your best bet. And individually, we're on Twitter as well. I'm JSR7. Uh, Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomez. Go me. Go me. Uh, and I think that just about does it. Um, unless before we get to any final words before Kevin's final word. Technically, technically my final word will be, I, I just thought of an answer for that question that you had. Like what, what IP would you want to be brought mm-hmm. back? Uh, IGPX. Ooh. Does anybody know what IGPX is? Isn't that a <laughs> racing thing? A futuristic racing game? It's like a, it's like a racing like a mech wipe- game. It's like a, yeah, it's like it kind of had a vibe like Wipeout, right? Yeah, a little bit. The anime was really cool on Tsunami. Oh, yeah, it had a show. Good choice, good choice. Okay, so what's your actual final word? Or was that your final word? And then I usurped it by saying more. Uh, A little bit of both, sure. Oh, okay. So now final word round two. New IGPX game.